Hello once again, it's Chet, and this is the Dark Art Society Podcast. Welcome. Today's episode is an interview with Turkey Merck, a.k.a. Kevin Merck. He's that guy that does those amazing monster mugs. I just love those things, and he's a really good sculptor. And actually, he's a really great artist, if you look at his... His mugs, you can tell he, he knows what he's doing. So I love his mugs. He's a really nice guy, very positive person. So I thought he'd be great to have on the show. So I interviewed him, and aside from a few technical issues with his internet, we got a pretty great interview down. And I think it went over two hours. I don't know, though, because it's broken up into three parts because his inter internet kept going down. So it's hard to keep track of the time when that happens. But anyway, yeah. That was a really fun interview. So that will be coming up. As for me, what's going on in my life? Uh, let's see. Painting for a show. I had to put Dystopia on hold again. And honestly, it's probably going to be on hold for another two months. I hate to say that. But I have to paint for this show at Bain Art Gallery in Australia. I'm doing a, a little solo show there. And... I have about two months left to do it, so it's going to be a little busy. And I don't know that I'm going to have time for anything else. Plus, I have a bunch of other stuff going on, like these study commissions that I'm trying to sneak in as well. Just craziness. I put my Ego Death pins on sale by uh, Almost Amusing. Made these, the company, pin company, Almost Amusing, put this uh, Ego Death pin together for me, and it's really amazing. So... We did a pre-sale today. I'm recording this on Thursday the 2nd. And uh, we it's going to be a limited edition of 300. We put 50 up on sale for pre-sale in order to fund the project. So that will go to getting the pins all made. And then I'll sell the rest of them. But they all sold out within two hours, which is pretty amazing. It's a really great pin, though. I mean, it's huge and... They did such a great job. Miriam at Almost Amusing just killed it with this pin. So I did that today. That was good. Um, found out that Del Taco in my town has Beyond Beef Tacos, which is vegetarian taco meat. So I'm excited about that. Now I can have crappy fast food tacos again once in a while. That was kind of exciting. Um, yeah, so... That's it with me. The usual stuff. Just busy, busy, busy. Getting moving on the uh, website. That's actually starting to become a real thing now. Getting very excited about that. I got uh, Jeff Bradford from the Dark Art Society and Josh G from Creep Machine has offered to help out. So that's going to be amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. So that'll be coming soon. I'm going to try and do the pin promotion this month as well so I can get all of you in the Patreon a pin, a free pin for being there from the beginning and all the people that join at a certain level, which I still have to decide what that is. Probably, I don't know what the level's going to be. Probably the $10 level, I think, for like a month. For the first month, you, you get a pin. Really cool pins we had made. 
And the t-shirts are still there. If you join at the $50 level for at least a month, you'll get a really cool high-end uh, Dark Art Society t-shirt that you can only get through this through the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash darkartsociety. All the cool stuff's happening in the in the Patreon. Let me tell you, aside from getting in the Facebook Dark Art Society Cooperative Group, which is really cool too. Okay, so let's go to the five questions and then we will get on the interview. Oh, I know another thing I did I, I, uh, the other day. I did an interview for, oh, what's the name of the podcast? Let me look it up. Jay Alders. Jay and Chelsea Alders, I believe. Shifting Perceptions podcast. I'm not sure when that's going to air, but that was a, a really great interview. And that is going to be coming up, I think he said, in the next couple of weeks. But I will keep you all posted about that. It was really fun. It was nice to be interviewed and not have to do the interviewing for once. All right, five questions. Ken Kokoska. Many dark artists are inspired by genres like gothic literature or horror movies, myself included, but as artists, we can find inspiration from almost any experience we absorb. What is a source of inspiration for your work that would be completely surprising to to an outside observer. I think that, <clears throat> man, I thought I had the answer and now I'm thinking about it. You know, on the last episode where I kind of got personal and was talking about getting all freaked out hearing those old cheesy 70s songs, those are surprisingly inspiring to me. Like, you know, the Carpenters, super syrupy, sugary, sweet pop songs from the 70s. Just give me the creeps, like, you know, worse than a horror movie. And something about that, I think, inspires me to to create the artwork. I'm not really sure why, but I don't know what it is about that. Stuff that, like, stuff like the Brady Bunch, Stuff that is just supposed to be so pure and, you know, positive, but it's actually so phony. Something about that just really inspires me to make really ugly, creepy stuff. I also think um, one thing that really inspires my work more than people might realize is really bad horror movies, like bad, bad, bottom of the barrel, Ed Wood level like I just saw, I had a weird experience I'll talk about quickly. I, I had a, I was laying in bed and I have to, you know, I'm trying to figure out this theme for the show. I have a few paintings figured out and, you know, I've been working on, but as far as the overall theme of the show, I don't quite have it yet. And so I was kind of thinking to myself, like, okay, when I, I'm going to come up with a concept for the show when I wake up, sort of hypnotizing myself or asking my subconscious or higher self to give me an answer through a dream or, or whatever. That night I dreamt all night of Coffin Joe. And when I woke up, all I could think of was Coffin Joe, Coffin Joe, Coffin Joe. And if you don't know Coffin Joe, and the, the weird thing is I'd never really seen any of the Coffin Joe films. I'd only read about them because I'm into that 
kind of, you know, bad, bad, really bad horror stuff from the 60s and 70s. And so I woke up and I just could not stop thinking about Coffin Joe. And for those of you who don't know Coffin Joe, it's a it's a Brazilian or first the first Brazilian horror movie ever made. He's the main character and he's like a really evil person. He's like their ultimate horror movie villain in Brazil. He has a top hat and a cape, black cape, and he's an undertaker. And he's just super evil. And so I thought, okay. So I went, so I bought the DVD on Amazon that was all three of the movies. And I watched the first two. He did a third, third one. It's like a trilogy. This guy did a third one like recently or, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. The other two are in the 60s. And it was so bad, but so bad in such a good way. It just, it was, I, I think it's because I saw a lot of that stuff when I was really young and it, and it, it, I don't know, it had this weird effect on me. So when I see it now, like really tacky stuff or like if you go to a really cheap carnival into a haunted house and you see all the props in there that look terrible, that stuff gets to me. I just, I like it. I have this feeling like this connection. So while I didn't, you know, watching those movies, didn't give me an idea for my show definitely on an inspirational level it it absolutely helped because it kind of focused me back to what i love and that is i you know i try and capture that in the artwork but the feeling i get from those things rather than the, the the cheesiness of it so i don't know hopefully that answered your question laura dan what factor most influenced you to develop into an artist such as was it an early recognition of an inclination towards talent, a trauma, a personal motivation, or an outer encouragement prompted by others? I think it was an early interest in art, and I think I was naturally pretty good at it, and uh, I enjoyed it, so I just kept doing it. And I, was also, I would also get a lot of praise for it, and that kind of helped me form my identity that... You know, that was something that was me, that I could do, that not all the other kids could do, which was create artwork. And I think that's sort of where it started. Now, you know, the trauma aspect comes in as to maybe the subject matter I was, I was creating. But I think, I think it really was that kind of self-esteem I, I got from, from being good at something, being good at artwork when I was a kid. Another one from Laura Dan. When you are working, do you ever feel an intentional energy or an intention? When you're working, do you ever feel an intentional energy, an intention you are giving, you are, sorry, you are transferring into the painting, either positive or negative? I, I always feel like um, positive energy going into a painting, no matter what I'm doing. I always feel like this kind of pure joy, pure joy energy goes into the work, no matter how dark or weird it is, because that's, that's the spirit in which I am painting the painting, because it's just so much fun to me. So I, I do feel that, but I feel like it's just very positive and upbeat and happy, really. And that kind of, I can, you know, segue into this next question. Michael R. Miller 
you you often say you feel the world world needs dark art to cope with what what is going on. Do you ever feel you will reach a place where you don't make art to cope with something, just making pure making it purely for the sake of making it? Stop, stop it. Lay down. That's my that's Doc crying. Um, I I already make art for the purely for the sake of making it. That's the only reason I do it. I'm not creating artwork to help people cope with what's going on. I think that that's kind of a natural, um, I think that's why dark art is pop, getting popular now and why it's important right now, especially because, because the world is so messed up and more chaotic than ever, I think. And um, so, but I'm not doing it for that reason. That would be, um, I don't know, that, that would be feel contrived to me. I'm doing it because, just because I love making it, that's the only reason, and it just so happens to come out dark art, and dark art just so happens to be the important art of our time. It's a, it's, I think it's more of a synchronicity type thing. We're just lucky to be doing this work. I don't think it's a good idea to create dark, dark artwork because, you know, you're not feeling it, but you need the, do you think the world needs to see it? That's not really what art making's about to me. It should be a pure, real expression of you as a, as an artist and let the chips fall where they may. Like, I don't think people should be doing dark art if that's not what's in their heart. It should, you should be creating what's in your heart. So that's, that's that. I already do. I already do make it for the sake of making it. Alan Smith, Smith, you mentioned the first album you bought. What is the most recent album you've purchased? That would be Invasives. This dog. Invasives. And the album is called Just Another Under the Sun. That's the most recent album I bought. I found them through the No Means No Facebook page. And I saw, I think they were in that group and they posted one of their songs and I really loved it. Because there's definitely this kind of No Means No influence in there. They're also a Canadian three-piece. And I love them. I think they're great. Um, Stop. Wait until I'm done, all right? Give me two minutes. Stop. Sorry. So yeah, that's a great album. You should check them out. They're, they're on Bandcamp. And uh, they're a really great band. I love them. I love them. Okay, I almost forgot the new pledges this week. So, uh, let's see. Things got a little screwed up here as far as this these notifications in my Patreon feed. But hopefully I'm not leaving any... But, I don't know if I mentioned this last week. Okay, I'm going to run the risk of having mentioned these names last week, but who cares? Nancy Saul, thank you. Nancy is awesome. Nancy and Ron. Did I? I, I could have sworn I sworn I mentioned them before. And Sam B, thank you, Sam. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I can't remember. My memory's shot. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Turkey Merck, thank you. This week's guest. Brad Gray, thank you. 
and that's it. Okay, so that's it. There's the five questions. There's what's going on in my life. And now we are going to get into the Kevin Merck interview, or I like I like to say Turkey Merck better. I just think that name is so funny. Turkey Merck. All right, so here you go. This week's interview, episode 112, I believe. Turkey Merck. What's up, man? What's up, Chet? How's it going? It's going good. It's going going good. to see you, man. Yeah, you too. I, I'm I'm used to seeing you once a year. Once once a year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're always happy and smiling and such a what, nice dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Same to you. It's always good seeing you. Which I'm smiling when I am at Monster Plus, when I see you. So yeah, that's right. all. I'm I'm like, I'm like jacked out of my mind out there. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to smile about at Monster Palooza, that's for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. It's such a crazy show. Yeah, don't you think it's the best of of its kind? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't travel a lot, so but I, I I would be blown away if there was something better than that out there. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got um Elliot scheduled to to be interviewed on here to talk about it. The guy who runs the show. So um yeah, that's yeah, gonna be yeah, kind of cool. Elliot. Yeah, he's a su- <laughs> super great guy. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. He seems like just a really superb guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's awesome. So yeah, the, if, if there's a better show out there than Monster Blues, I want to know about it because I want to go. Exactly. Yeah, I just can't imagine it being any better. I, I think just because of the location and the access to all the film industry folks, effects people, it's kind of top of the line. Um, so yeah, the talent there. Yeah, crazy. it's huge. It's huge. It's yeah, it's 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 crazy. I always thought I mean that's the whole reason I started that conjoined show and everything was because working in effects, I was just like the talent when I was working at Rick Baker's shop or any of the shops, the talent is just at such a high level and it's like these guys yeah. aren't really getting respected as artists and they really are artists, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, I totally agree. And that's the cool thing for me to to go out to LA from since I'm from Atlanta or just north of Atlanta is to be able to meet, you know, people like you. And it's just crazy to me, you know, because, I, I mean, obviously I can't do that. I can't stroll down the street and check out, you know, Chet Zar's work out here. So Yeah, but you do have a production in, in Atlanta, a lot of production, though. And the, isn't, doesn't The Walking Dead shoot in Atlanta? Yeah, they do, yeah, south of Atlanta, yeah. But, it, you know, it's, it's, I'll go ahead. Now, have you ever hung out there or met any of the guys from the show down there like kevin wasner i saw him he had one of your mugs in a, on facebook yeah yeah me and kevin uh got to be pretty good buddies over the past um three or so years he collects my work so that's how we met and um yeah kevin what a great guy He's so, as well. oh yeah yeah they're so cool they're so cool yeah, I mean, yeah they're the best yeah i worked with kevin at rick's actually at rick baker's He's such a nice guy. He's the first, you know, it's funny. He's the, just as a weird little side note, uh, I kind of got my start at this, uh, this uh, monthly group show in LA called Cannibal Flower. It was like a weekend art party, like a warehouse art party that would show emerging yeah. artists. And uh, he, he was the first person to ever tell me about that. I remember him going, yeah, there's this thing called, when I, he knew I was starting to paint, he's like, there's this thing called yeah. Cannibal Flower, man. I think you'd really like it. And he was describing it to me, and I was thinking, oh, it sounds like 
just sounds like a party at someone's house or something. And it's like, I was kind of blowing it off. Like, that doesn't sound that good. And then I finally, after him saying it so many times, I finally, uh, got in and I was like, Oh my God, it's amazing. I completely where I got my start. I mean, because of cannibal flower. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and Kevin, he's like that. He's so encouraging. Uh, that's actually why I went to Monster Palooza to begin with. But let's see. 2017 was the first year I visited and he was, him and Karen were trying to talk me into getting a booth out there mm-hmm. and the, you know, the investment coming, going all the way across country. I was like, man, yeah. I, I want to check it out first. So I went, and I was just blown away. And um, they were just like, you got to come next year. So I wound up setting, a bo- setting up a booth in 2018. But they're just, they're awesome. They're so talented. They're insanely talented, both of them. And then they're so encouraged. They're so friendly and encouraging and humble. Yep. They're just, you know, they're super cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to see his success with that. It's pretty, pretty cool. It's good when the good guys get, yeah. su- get success, you know? Yeah. Uh, but getting back, you were asking me about visiting uh, there, the set and everything. Um, after Kevin and I met, um, he came up. He's, he's into uh, big into fishing. And mm-hmm. so he came up to uh, Lake Lanier, which I live next to. And we went out striper fishing and hung out all day. And I just had a good time. Then he came, hung out at the shop. And then, uh, then he invited me down on set to be a walker. So, um, Oh, really? Yeah, so later that year, my wife and I went down, and they they got us in on set, and so yeah, we were walkers. That's so cool. On the show, uh, were you able to see yourself on screen? Yeah, yeah, we actually made the cut. Uh, I was the <laughs> uh, I was the opening walker. Oh, you're out. so lucky. Oh, it was crazy <laughs> because, like, you know, Kevin and Gino and them, they were telling us. Um, you know, we, we filmed for like 12 hours and they were like, they'll probably get like two minutes out of this day. Right. And they were like, there's no telling, you know, there's no telling once they edit it, if right. you're actually going to make it on or not. And what winded up, I had a good bit of screen time. My wife is, um, she was on there just a few short times, but then she, um, made the behind the scenes, uh, images and stuff on AMC's website. Oh, cool. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. We were all, we um we went to my in laws' house to watch the episode, and you know as soon as we showed up on 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 TV, we were like we were everybody was flipping out. It was, <laughs> it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> That's cool. You should, do you have a screen grab of that? Do you have a picture, an image of it? Because that would be kind of a, if you if you do, that would be cool to show the Patreon people. No, you know I actually don't. I, um, one of the one of the walkers um, uh, that was on set that day, she she uh, told me how to contact. AMC to get some, uh, you know, if they had like some really good photographs of us, but I still haven't done that. And I, that reminds me, I actually need to do that, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anything, unfortunately. Well, I have one on my phone. If you want to see that, I can hold that up. Yeah. Well, you may, you could, maybe you could send it to me. Yeah. I'll text you. Text yeah. it to me. That would be cool. I'll, I'll, I'll post yeah. it. You know, that would be fun to see. Okay. All right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'll send that. But it was, uh, um, it was quite the experience. It was, um, a lot tougher. Than oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did it that. Was for, pretty intense. I did that for Planet of the Apes. Uh, I was in an orangutan costume, and yeah. it was, it sucked. It was, it was hard. Mm. It was hard. Yeah, I was hot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually, um, I had this stupid idea that I didn't want to. I didn't want to have to pee 
because I had so much so much costume on, so I didn't want to drink a lot of water, which was a huge mistake. So I was completely dehydrated and hot and in this makeup, and I completely turned into an asshole. I was like, started like being snippy <laughs> with people. I'm never like that. And I was like, oh man, I got to drink water. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, those guys suffer a lot. It's hard work. Man, being, yeah, being twelve hours in makeup. Yeah, yeah, and um, the the hardest part to me was the uh, contact lenses that I had to wear. Oh wow! I don't, I, I don't wear any. My wife, she does, mm. but uh, I don't. And so that was like the really the first time I'd ever put anything in my eyes, <laughs> and it was just like a knife in both eyes right. all day long. So it, that was really tough, and you can't see out of them. Right. Um, so it was, it was, it was in November, which is a little bit chilly here in Georgia, and um, we were soaking wet, covered in sand and dirt, and that slime all, all day long. On about two hours of sleep the night before, because Kevin texted me, you know, the night before, it's like you got to be here in the morning at four o'clock. So. <laughs> Yeah, we got about two hours of sleep and went wow. down. Do you, do, one last thing about that. Do you know what, what episode it is? What the name is of the episode? Man, I'm so I'm terrible. You'll probably ask me all kind of questions. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, I can't remember nothing. That's cool. That's uh, cool. I want to say, uh, oh, man, I, I, I know what I know what um, was going on. It was the uh, Barnacle Walkers uh, episode. Where oh, okay, yeah. We coming out of the ocean. Oh. It was like a... Um, cruise ship or something that had wrecked right. on the beach and we were all coming at it from that cruise ship I, I think that was the whole idea and it was when when rick and the gang had um had uh, invaded that that one little uh i think it was an all-female colony and they oh, were taking right. it something yeah it was that scene but i, okay. I can't even, it was it was the, towards the end of that season but i can't even remember what season um yeah. <laughs> i should i I'm, should probably remember that <laughs> i'm the same way well, okay. The first thing I, I want to ask you, let's get in, into this interview. Where does the name Turkey Merc come from? Because I just find that hilarious every time I see it. Because <laughs> I always, I never think of you as Kevin. I always think of you as Turkey Merc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I get this a lot. So. It's uh, funny. Well, Merc is, Merc, yeah, I know, I know. It's pretty hilarious. Merc is my last name. Yep. And, um, so back in um, the late 90s when I was in high school and I uh, played baseball. And um, so, I just, yeah, I'll just go ahead and tell you. That. I have a short version and a longer version. I'll give you the longer version. Mm-hmm. So I, I played baseball, and I wore my pants leg pulled up, kind of old school. You know? uh-huh. So just like my socks were showing. And my legs, they still are, but back then when I was 40 pounds lighter, they were super skinny, just like toothpicks, you know? <laughs> so um, I, it was during a summer ball, so – during summer ball, all the, um, you know, kids from all the surrounding counties, we all came together and played on one team together. And one of the, and that's actually how I got into pottery. Um, mm. but one of the dads on the team, he, um, he, he was always cutting up with this real funny guy. And, um, he, he told me one day, he said, dude, you look like you're riding a turkey around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if you if you're familiar. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with the saying, but back back home here, usually people say you look like you're riding a chicken around. For oh no, reason, I've he, never even heard that. 
Okay, yeah, so that's a really, like, common saying around here. It's like, man, dude, you look like you're riding a chicken uh, around, you know, because your legs are so skinny. Right. So, but for some, some reason, he switched out chicken, and he used turkey. So every single time I came up to, to bat, he would he'd yell. He was real loud and just real goofy guy, real fun to be around. But he would yell, let's go turkey legs. <laughs> and um, and it caught on. Like, uh, all my teammates started calling me turkey legs. The coaches started, started calling me turkey legs. Everybody at the ballpark, all the parents. <laughs> and then, and, and then, and then everybody just kind of shortened it down to turkey. And, um, but kind of funny, like I said, that, that actually led to me getting into ceramics because that summer I played ball with a guy from uh, the neighboring county. And um, kind of find out we, we lived and we grew up 10 minutes apart. But mm-hmm. we both lived on the county line, so we went to different high schools, so we didn't know each other until that summer. And I met him. We got to be really good buddies. I started hanging out at, at his house, and that's where I met his dad. Um, and his dad is the one that taught me how to make pottery and work with ceramics. Um, so when I was out at the shop uh, with Wayne, his dad working, he, he just started calling me turkey uh, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of turkey legs. So he kind of shortened it down to turkey. And um, that's what he always called me in the shop. So when I first started, um, you know, making my face jugs and whatnot, I started signing them turkey, um, really just as a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just kind of funny. I was, I don't know, it just kind of made sense in the situation. Um, right. And, and I, back then I was, I was, I, I would say classified as a folk potter. So um, turkey would just fit in perfectly with that whole scene. Right. And, and then it just stuck. And then, you know, so I, I kept signing my art as Turkey or Turkey Merc. And then all, all my buddies, and t- to this day, everybody back home pretty much calls me Turkey. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, everybody. Like, except my wife. My kids think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll call me Turkey sometimes. They're four, three, and one. So the four and three-year-old, they think it's funny to call me Turkey sometimes because all their, all my nieces and nephews, they all call me Turkey. So it's like, it's just, everybody back home knows me. Either one. That's great. Well, that's, that's a good explanation. It makes it even better. I like it even more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you before, I really, you know, I'm fascinated with your, the ceramic work you do. It's totally, you know, something I don't know much about. And, um, but I, but I'd like to know how you got into sculpting kind of your background and where you grew up and, and were you an art kid and how you got into monsters and all that stuff before we get kind of into the ceramic aspect of things. I mean, were you sculpting masks and stuff before you did the ceramics or, or what? No, no, no. I'll, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and preface this with this is probably going to be your most boring interview i've been i've been checking out your interviews like paul uh komoda and, and tom keebler and I, I mean just crazy it's amazing man really listen to those guys but um so yeah. i'm probably gonna be really boring compared to them <laughs> so uh <laughs> i hate it i hate it but i, I literally just don't have as interesting of a we'll see as, we'll as, see you know, before that guy, uh, before Mike Carell made the documentary about him, I kept telling him, 
man, are you sure you want to do this? I'm very, I'm really a boring person. And then by the time he got finished with the documentary, I was like, I'm actually not that boring now that I look at it. So you're probably not as boring as you think you are. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe, maybe. But uh, now I grew up in a really, really tiny, small town uh, called Gillsville. Um, and it's, it's about a little bit over an hour north of Atlanta, kind of in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's basically just... Um, chicken houses and cow pastures. I mean, that's all it is. So we, we grew out, we grew up way out in the country. Like going to town was like a big deal. Oh, wow. We wouldn't, yeah, it wasn't that far away, but Gainesville was the closest town and it was about, you know, 20 minute drive. But like we rarely went to town. Uh, it was really old school. Wow. Um, yeah, but I, I've been in the art as long as I can remember. I mean, just, you know, growing up, drawing mm-hmm. i was obsessed with drawing oh. and that's all i to do you know my you know that makes sense like yeah like you and everybody else you know mm-hmm. sitting in class and your 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 entire notebook and book and everything else is covered in little sketches and right you know um was your family so was, supportive of that oh yeah totally um my mom she um she was really artistic she was into drawing and she um, she passed when I was five, but she she had just gotten into airbrushing, um, and so I have some of her older work. So I'm I'm assuming I'm oh, kind cool. of right. Yeah, I got all got all uh, all of that from her. That's cool. Um, she was into airbrushing. That's unusual. Yeah, yeah. She um, it, it's a very vague memory of mine because I was so young. But we lived uh, at one point. I guess I was four. I mm-hmm. suppose we uh, we lived in Panama City, Florida. And she worked um, in one of those shops where, you, you know, they airbrush the shirts and they're, you know, kind of freehand. Right, right. Shirts. Yeah, so she did that. But um, she was, like I said, she was very artistic. That's cool. Um, but, yeah, but, and so so my, my grandparents and my aunt raised me and my siblings. Hmm. And, yeah, they were, yeah, they were totally, I mean, I, I had so many, I remember going, like, to the art supply shop in town, which was just, like I mentioned earlier, it was just a big deal to go into town and especially go to the um, art shop. And, you know, my aunt would buy me sketchbooks and, and pencils and I still got them. I actually still have my original set of like little graphite. Uh, pencils, oh, how like, cool is that? Yeah. That I've had since I, I who knows how old they are. Right. Maybe late eighties, early nineties or something. I still uh, have those. That's so cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, they were super supportive of all that. So that's my aunt. She, yeah, my aunt was really the one. She, I don't remember her really drawing or anything, but but I remember we used to color a lot when I was a kid. Like she loved like color, and she taught me how to color. Uh, mm. Like you know, simple, just really simple stuff. Um, yeah, that stuff has an impact that. though on a little kid. Yeah, mar- markers, crayons, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I can literally remember being. I had to be under ten, and I just remember being in the kitchen and her showing me just how to do this you know right. and i was just so fascinated with taking this it was just a simple coloring book but i was so fascinated with um you know just bringing this to life you right know, with the color yeah but and, and my aunt she was the one that really um really got me into monsters and stuff because she was big into sci-fi and horror oh, and cool. movies and stuff like that so every um Every October, we would we would take our annual trip into town and <laughs> and uh, visit the uh, Halloween shop and and I just remember going in there and you know back then you know how good the masks and stuff were right. and I remember 
looking up and you know the the walls were just covered in these just craziest gnarliest masks ever what's funny it never crossed my mind to make one i was just always just so blown away how cool they were but i never really thought i i should try to make one of those you know right. i would draw them i would draw them but I, I, it never occurred to me to actually hmm. sculpt them at that age so uh so when did you get into sculpture? Because, you know, the, the, the thing about your, your mugs that I noticed right off the bat, because in, in case people don't know, I'm sure most people know, you, you at a certain point a few years back, you, you kind of went viral with these mugs. Yeah. And it's like they got on Huffington Post and, you know, it's everywhere. And the thing I noticed, and I think the reason that it went so big is because the sculptures are really good. Like they look, they look like, um, you know, like they look like, like an effects guy did it, like a really good effects sculptor did it. And then I think you sent me, didn't, are you gate? Didn't you give me a little head? Yeah. Vampire magnet. Cause I remember when I got that, I was like, shit, this is like, this is film quality level stuff. I was like really impressed. No, it's, it's true. I was really impressed that you not being from, you know, Hollywood and working in the industry were able to on your own sculpt that well out in, you know, in, in Georgia, you know, with, where there's not, I'm yeah. sure not a lot of resources for that. No, specific, no, especially that type of sculpture. So, so when did you start sculpting? Well, first of all, thanks a lot, man. That means a whole lot coming from you because I'm a huge fan of your work, especially your sculpts. They're incredible. I've referenced oh, them so many times, man. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll talk about that too later about the uh, the mug the, the yeah because people yeah, ask me about that all the time. But anyway, so well, I started sculpting. I, I'll tell you this: I remember being a I remember being a kid, and I was probably uh, eight to ten or so. And my grandpa he um, he would always bring home stuff and and um, for for us to play with or just random stuff. But I remember he um, there was a, there was a creek. Uh, that fed into a lake behind our house. It was, it was a good ways behind our house, though. But he had found some clay in the creek bank, and he brought it home. And I remember that was the first time I ever tried to sculpt something. Oh, weird! Right, right yeah. out of the ground. Yeah, just straight out of the ground. That's yeah. So cool. Uh, just raw clay, and uh, just raw white clay. Yeah. And I remember sculpting something, and I sculpted like a heart or something like that for my granny. And, you know, put like "I love you" or something. <laughs> yeah. And you'd sit it out in the sun, and it would harden up. You know. Um, but that, I remember that very vividly being the first time I, I, you know, other than Play-Doh, obviously, but actually some real clay, so to speak. But but I really didn't get into sculpting until I was 19, uh, going back to the story I was telling earlier about meeting my buddy, playing baseball, and then going over to his house and seeing these uh, jugs with faces on them. And I was just blown away. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, and then asking his dad if I could work out the shot with him and and he, you know, was very accommodating and let me come out and he taught me everything uh, that he knew about it, which was incredible because he's a, he's a, actually a master potter, mm. um, uh, fifth generation potter. Wow. So his family's been doing it yeah, forever. So uh, it was really cool how it worked out. But, but as far as sculpting goes, I just, I just started playing with clay and uh, you know, he, he, he would, I didn't know how to turn on the wheel yet. So he would turn up a jug, hand it to me and, you know, let it stiffen up enough to work on it. And I just started sculpting faces and oh, stuff. Cool. And, uh, yeah. It, um, you but, know, uh, it's amazing how, how easy they make it look, you know, when they do that, turn those pots yeah, on a wheel, yeah. they, they make it look yeah. so easy. And then you go to try and do it and it's not easy. It's really no. hard. 
Because I, I had my, um, actually my uncle was a potter, and um, he he lived in in a house on, on, that I would walk by uh, on the way home from grade school, and he had a whole setup in his garage, um, basically doing ceramic work. And so that's kind of where I got some some uh, uh, exposure to sculpting initially because I would they would babysit me sometimes, but um, uh, he actually he actually would kind of do the same thing. Like he, he, I remember he would block out for some reason. I was really into faces. He would block out these little faces for me, and he was really good too. And so I would kind of you know, put an eye patch on it and a big scar across yeah, it, yeah. you know, and kind of mess it up. And then he'd fire it for me and then I could paint him. It was really, really pretty That's cool. cool. I, I just know it's funny. Cause I just, I kind of forgot about that until you brought it up. It's interesting, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Cool. C- continue please. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, getting back to what you were talking about, how difficult it is to actually turn on the uh, wheel. Yeah. I, it, it would always blow me away. Wayne would take like 25 pounds of clay a 25 pound ball of clay and he'd work it up and get it ready and slap it on the wheel and he'd get to turning and, you know, he'd, he'd pull out like a five gallon churn and, you know, his arm would be up to his armpit, right. you know, pulling, pulling, knuckling this thing up. And I, I was, I, I would just, it was just mind blowing. I would yeah. just sit there and just watch him just blown away. But, but I, you know, I, I, I really never liked turning on the wheel. I never enjoyed that. I still don't. Mm-hmm. I just was always into sculpting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just kind of the thing that was really popular in, in, in our area was to turn functional pieces like a jug or a mug or a bottle or whatnot and take that form and then, you know, put a face on it. And um, so, yeah, I just just sculpted whatever, you know, came to me and, and just that's how I started. Uh, I went for I was I'm, I'm pretty hard headed. So I went I went for years and years without really trying to find any resources to really learn how to sculpt. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, we didn't have the internet, you know, really back then. Um, Right. Not not like we do now. You know, I I, I could access it. You know, I was in college at the time. I could access it in the library or whatnot. Um, But I really kind of turned the corner. um, About four or five years ago, I was like, I was kind of just frustrated with where I was at with sculpting. Like I had this in my mind, what I wanted to look like. And I knew where I wanted to go, but I just couldn't get there. And I've right. been working all these years and, you know, I, I, I had it improved. I felt like, but it wasn't at the, it wasn't fast enough. The pace was way too slow. Mm-hmm. So I decided, uh, you know, to, to swallow my pride and really study how, you know, artists get the job done. Right. What tools to use and stuff like that. Cause I was just using my hands a lot of times and I had a couple what, you know, wooden t- tools that I would use, you know, right. nothing that now the rakes mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, none of that stuff going on. Um, so when I started researching, that's when I first got online, like Facebook and Instagram and started my social media pages and, uh, with the intent of, you know, art, just looking up art and everything. Right. And when was, what year I, was this? Let's see. Uh, it was probably around 2014, I think. Oh, wow. There. wow. Yeah. That's so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I, I would just scour the internet looking for, you know, I was broke as I'll get out too. you know, just married. And I was a high school teacher, not making no money. So it wasn't like I could 
afford to pay for right. <laughs> tutorials and stuff. So I would just find it, whatever free um, tutorials I could find online. I remember looking at uh, some of Jordan Shell stuff. And, yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would just find little videos, little demos here and there, and I would watch them a hundred times and just pick them apart. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times there wasn't a lot of instruction. You were just kind of watching how somebody was working, and you would, I would just try to figure out what they were doing and what they were using, you know. Right. Um, and then I figured, you know, did research into the tools and whatnot, just, you know, pretty much boring kind of stuff. Yeah. But, it led me down the path to, to, you know, a better understanding of how sculpture works. Did you study anatomy and all that stuff too? You know, not really. Kind of, kind of, but, um, I, so I was in the stuff, um, but I never really studied like the underlying anatomy. Mm-hmm. I would just always reference, you know, I would reference work or whatnot, the sculptors that I enjoyed and liked. But I really didn't. Once I, like I said, about five years ago, once I started, like, trying to uh, understand how to sculpt, then I realized I needed to understand anatomy better. Right. So then it was a couple years later, so about, you know, three years ago or something, where I really started delving into anatomy and tried to figure out what it looked like underneath. Cause, because during my research, that's when I discovered well, this is how, this is why these guys and gals, you know, can sculpt so well right? and why, why it looks so good because their underlying structures and their forms, um, like that's what shows through ultimately in yep. the end. Yeah. It don't matter about the detail work and yeah, that. exactly. Like, the underlying forms are all that matter mm. to me. That's, that's what I feel like. It's that's true. All that matters in good sculptures. Right. Oh, well, painting, paintings or whatever, you know, yep. it's, it's the, it's the forms that really make a piece stand yeah. out. Yeah. Form, so form I, first. If, yeah, if I'd have known that, I wish I'd been studying that for the past 20 years. Right. Um, I've been in a lot different place, but, you know, three years, so I'll work with what I got right now. So. Well, you seem to be doing pretty well. <laughs> so it, Thanks, man. It's, uh, it sounds like you, uh, you just kind of came out, uh, came out of the gate, like, you know like gangbusters i mean when when you started <laughs> posting on uh online what did you immediately get did it did your stuff immediately go viral because i know everybody no. was sharing it how long did that take for that to happen and when did that happen well, well i'll tell you well yeah okay so it, it my my first uh image went viral in uh november of 2015 mm. uh so in 2014 um my wife she she was pregnant with our first kid and I was just I was I mentioned earlier I was teaching at the time I was teaching high school and um she was she was an x-ray tech she just finished up school and she was had been doing x-rays for about a year or so um or or, I'm sorry she's been doing x-rays and then she went into ultrasound um and I was just like really determined once she got pregnant I was really determined to um to figure out a way to make some extra income so she could take more time off work to stay home with our, our kid. Mm. And, um, so that's when I kind of hung out, hung up all of my, you know, extracurricular activities. And, and I started, um, just getting in the shop and really focusing on trying to build my pottery business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I teach during the day and then in the evenings and at night, I would just work on um, my pottery. And so that was started. And that's when I first got, 
like started posting my work and stuff really i think it was around 2014 mm-hmm. and uh, so it, it was about a year later but yeah it was really slow at first um you know there wasn't a lot going on um i would sell to my you know my my longtime collectors in the southeast uh that had known my work for a long time I, it, you know, I was, still, was i'm sorry was this all the uh mugs was it mug, the the kind of thing you're doing now or was it different yeah Mm. Yeah, it was well back then. They were all one-offs. That's you know now now they're actually cast right and then mo- and then modified to make make them look like they don't come out of a ceramic mold. Right. You know, but but back then everything was just one-off pieces. Mm. And so, so I was you know that's what my um, the clientele back then that's what they wanted those one-off pieces. And but after doing that for about a year, I was just man, I was killing myself and you know. I mean, I was selling the pieces, whatever I made, but it just wasn't enough. And I was like, something's got to give, you know, there's just no way I can do one off. They, each one would take so long. You right. Know I mean? Exactly. You know, one piece, like the easiest piece that I, I could make would take 20 hours, you know, and then, you know, the, some of the harder pieces would take 40 to 60 hours for one piece. And you're making like $5 an hour right. in that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or less, yeah, or less right, yeah. you know, like three to $5 an hour, literally. And, yep. you know, I was just like, man, this is just crazy. I mean, it's cool. You know, I, I wasn't doing it for the money, really, but I was at that time because I was trying to, you know, supplement the income so my wife could didn't have to work all the time. Right. Um, so, anyways, that's when I, I started, um, you know, looking, trying to figure out how to um, to cast my work, you know, and, and um, make replicas of it. But But I was really... I've always really hated the way that ceramic pieces look out of a mold because there's, you know, so many limitations to a ceramic mold. Because, yeah, under, uh, under, you know, undercuts and all that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, because it's a plaster stone mold and then you're pulling out, not you know, clay, it's, it's not hard when you pull it out. It's flexible, but, you know, undercut would really scuff up right. a piece. You have to fix it and all that. So yeah. anyways, there's just, there's tons of limitations to it, and I just they look really dull and washed out um, yeah. any, uh, that, I, that I'd ever seen. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to do it this way, it has to look like one of my original right. pieces. If I'm going to do it, I just too much pride in my work to you know be satisfied with something less. So, um, so anyways, I started doing some research into um, you know figuring out how to make molds or whatnot. And there's not a lot of people that that really do ceramic molds um, right. that I could find. And um, and then I had that picture, uh, that one image. I had three zombie mugs that I did um, in October 2015, and I actually I worked on them all through October. So it took me it took me one full month, well, about a month and a half to finish three mugs mm-hmm. back then. And um, once I posted the, that that image online of those three mugs lined up together that's it went viral on facebook and viral for me at least you know i had like five hundred thousand views on it or whatnot and that's that's pretty viral <laughs> yeah yeah i was like blown away and i was i was getting messages i mean i was getting a thousand literally like a thousand messages a day like wow i need yeah i, I want to buy this you know how can i get this and and i had three of them one one of them was already sold um <laughs> I'd, um, I'd put it on eBay and one 
I don't know if you could hear me, but we lost you here. Calling Turkey Merc. Called before. Hey. And I can you get oh. Are you, are you there? Hello. Okay, we're having technical difficulties. Might have to edit this out. Sorry, Brian, if that's the case. Dead air. I am going to hang up and call him back. Okay, we had a technical difficulty there, so continue, please. We're back. We're back. We're back. Yeah, so, so Kevin uh, had contacted me that that day, and he, so he'd bought the third one. And um, oh, Kevin was Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's how we first met. Because um, then I wound up. He found out that I was in Georgia, and um, he was like, "Oh, we're down here filming." So I wound up meeting him in Peachtree City. Um, and we had we had lunch together, and I brought him the mug and all that. We hung out for a while, so that led into our friendship. But um, but anyways, yeah, getting back to I was just getting messages, and then it just kept growing and growing. And I was just like, the next day, I was getting another thousand messages. Yeah, were the you next, were you panicking? Absolutely, dude. I was freaking out, <laughs> man. <laughs> I can imagine not being, not being, not having any, you know, getting this huge boost and then not having anything to sell. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Not having anything. So I, I went into panic mode and uh, I wound up finding um, a lady down in Atlanta that did ceramic molds. And, and um, it was still like, it was probably a month later before I, finally talked her into um, helping me out. Once I showed her my work, she was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, she's like, I've never tried to mold anything that complicated, so that, it sounds like a good challenge. I'll do it. So I went and, and uh, I would drive down to Atlanta and work with her, and um, she was making the molds for me at first, mm. and, and then eventually she taught me how to do it myself. Oh, um, cool. So, yeah, so early, early 2016, I was kind of on my own at that point and learning, you know, no clue, no background, no clue whatsoever with mold making or casting or anything like that. I mean, I knew ceramics, so that right. was good. But as far as the technicalities of, of making molds and all that, I was just winging it. I still wing it, dude. I still don't know what I'm doing half the time. I just <laughs> try to figure it out, you know, as right. I go. Yeah. Lots of trial and error involved when it comes to molding. Yeah. Tons of it. Um, I don't really enjoy the molding aspect of it. Um, it's it's kind of fun because it is challenging, but I just rather be. I mean, everything to me, I just always want to just be at the sculpting. Right, table. right. That's it. Like, yeah. No matter what. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so at that point, did you start sculpting? You started sculpting each one, sculpting one main model for the yep. for the cup, and then you'd have it molded in like silicone i imagine and for a master mold and then make duplicates or 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 did you make like a stone mold for the master all right yeah so i'll, I'll just kind of run through my process real quick so uh, what i usually do um is is i'll uh, and i'll go through the whole process real quick so i i, I still enjoy i've gotten into uh, old base clays like you know mosh clay savant and all that yeah 
three, three years. I never used those until about three years ago. Mm. And I, I love those. They're, they're incredible. I really love them. But I still just enjoy sculpting with stoneware. Oh, which, wow. Which, yeah, which is similar to wet clay, you know. It's, is it, isn't it kind of gritty, though, or no? Do they have different... It, Different, yeah. There's tons of different clay. So the, the one I use, it doesn't have. It's called grog, which is that grit that's right. in, in, a, in clay, and it doesn't have much grog at all. So oh, okay. Really, yeah. Um, so that, that that's what I use. So it's not as much of an issue. It, it can be an issue, but I know how to work around it. So right. what I'll usually do is I'll I'll block out a sculpt in a stoneware, and then I'll get all my forms and secondary forms laid down, and I'll do a little bit of detail work to to kind of as far as I can take it, uh, you know, with a water based clay, and then I'll take that that model and I'll I'll pour it up in silicone, mm. and then I'll do a monster clay clay pour in that silicone, mm. and then I'll have um, then I'll have my a monster clay model, and I usually pour up a couple models to play around with, and then that's when I go in and do all my detail work. Interesting. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a, you know, I could probably cut out some steps, but I'm pretty anal, you know, kind of right. whatever, whatever I see in my head, like I want to get it out. So however many steps it takes to get there, I'm like, whatever, I'll right. do it. Um, and then, and then I'll, once I finish the monster clay model, I'll pour that up in silicone and I'll cast up a, a resin um, master model. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I take that resin um, model and that's when I build my plaster mold uh, around it. Interesting. Okay, so you um, now just pure purely out of curiosity, does that mold entail the inside of the mug, or is is that something that you get from pouring the like the clay slip in, or however that works, and then dumping it out? Well, yeah, yeah. So mask making the exact same concept right right yeah it's the exact same concept of pulling up a latex mask so is your is the is the pour spout the open part of the coffee cup yeah yeah you pour it into yeah okay and then you okay and then you dump it out or you you let it sit and then the moisture absorbs into the plaster mold and it builds up a skin and then you dump it right Correct. Yes. And then you let it dry to a certain point and then you're able to pull the mold apart and then you have like a kind of a soft, but kind of still yep. a little bit harder. Uh, yep. okay. What, what are you, what do you, what's the ceramic material that you're pouring in the mold? Stoneware. So it's the same. Really? It's, yeah. It's just formulated as a slip. Oh, so cool. it's, li- it's liquid. Yeah. It's still stoneware though. And you don't have to worry about things exploding. I always hear that about uh, uh, firing things that they explode and all that. If you're not careful yeah. about bubbles and stuff. Well, you know that's a big issue in the ceramic community. I've heard about that a thousand times. But I was really blessed to work with, as I mentioned earlier, that, that Wayne Hill, the master potter, that taught me. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple couple of the potters in the area that I worked with as well, and they were they're all master potters as, as well, and they taught me how to fire basically so okay cool yeah they, they had made all the mistakes you know before and the people before them that taught them so they they had it down to a side and so i really don't have that issue okay oh that's cool yeah, yeah um the see I, I, it's really simple actually slow down anybody that's blowing stuff up in a kiln just slow down your firing is way too fast um even if it has air pockets in it it shouldn't explode if you're firing slow enough, uh, you know, you, it'll crack because you know, that, that inside of that air pocket 
it's going to turn the moisture in there is going to turn to steam because of the intense uh, heat, uh, and it has to it has to escape. But um, if you do it slow enough, it'll just creep out and it'll just crack the piece. If you do it too fast, it builds up like a little bomb right. and it just, it just pops it. You know, that makes that makes sense. So okay, you pull the you pull the um, stoneware slip out of the mold, and um, then you can go in. I'm not sure if people understand. How, uh, that aren't into sculpting and molding understand what an undercut is, but I don't even know how you'd explain an undercut. Like, like if you look at someone's face straight on, imagine if their face was made of stone and you put a stone mold on it and you tried to pull it straight off, it would lock behind the nostrils because the curve yeah. goes behind the nostrils. So in your initial sculpture, you can't have that for your, your uh, clay slip right. mold. So yeah. you go back in after, which is, Really, you know, I don't know if this is a common thing, but I think it's it's really clever. You go back in, and then you sculpt in the things that you can't have undercut in the mold. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, just add, yeah, add some depth. Right. To the piece. Yeah. Like nostrils and stuff, things that would be impossible. Nostrils, yeah. Ear holes, um, the teeth, you know, the teeth, they don't have a lot of depth. Um, right, yeah, that would be a nightmare. Yeah, so you have to go in, like, each tooth and, you know... Uh, just kind of add some depth in between the teeth and, tr you know, shape them up and whatnot. Yeah. Wow. So what, what's the, uh, what's the, I mean, what's the time on a, on a, once you have that, that slip mold, what's the, the time, how much time does it take to pour it up, add detail and then fire it? And I mean, it's, it's still a bit of work, right? Uh oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not like you just pull it out. It's not like you just pull it out of the mold and fire it. No, no, I'm they're like, still you know, kind of like, like one of a kind pieces because you're you're going into oh, detailing them. Yeah, yeah, everyone's slightly different. I mean, there's no way around it. You know, right. that's uh, good. Just, that's just, kind of a cool thing. Yeah, just because of the modifications that have to be done, and then obviously the glaze work too. It's yeah, you know, it's glaze is really it's nothing like painting. Um, I know, I know. That's that that trips me out. People um, glazing and and patinas. On bronze yeah. is also that way. It's like it doesn't look the, that color when you paint it on, right? Yeah, yeah, it looks nothing like it fires <laughs> out to, like not even close. And, and a lot of times, of course, I got to make everything super complicated. And you know, you'll you'll be applying a glaze, whether you know, a lot of time I do a lot of airbrushing, and and um, you can't even see what you're putting on hardly, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. You're just you're just going with you know and, and experience, just kind of okay. This has worked in the past, you know. Right, because because some of some of them will go on clear even right, and the, and then they yeah. turn a color when they're heated. It's insane. Yeah, it is insane. So <laughs> it, the, the sheer amount of time just to get to that point, you know, uh, of like a final product is just crazy. The amount of testing that has to be done, right? The, 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 you know, I. Most of the time, this is this is at least how I used to do it and what I was originally taught. And I think most people in the ceramic world try to stay on this schedule. You 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 know you make a piece and then you fire it the first time called the bisque firing, and that's a lower firing. I fired around eighteen hundred to, to uh, nineteen hundred degrees, and that hardens up the clay. Mm -hmm. This is for this is for stoneware. There's different. There's so many different times of types of clay, but anyways, for stoneware that I use. I fired the, around 18, a little bit above 1800 degrees and it, it hardens it up enough to where you can work with it. Right. Um, and then, and then you put a layer of glaze on there, uh, you glaze it and then you fire it 
for the final firing, which you take it to whatever cone you're going to fire to, which I, you know, five, cone five, cone six is very typical. Um, and then, and then it's done after that. You, know? right. so you go two fires. Well, to get the layering that I like to do, um, you know, to, to add some depth to the color of the piece, um, you have to fire each layer on. So, you know, my mugs, the, the minimum is three, minimum, but right. usually it's four and five firing. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, and every firing increases the risk of something going wrong. Right. Or, yeah, or you get, yeah. Yeah. You get to the fifth firing and something messed the clay, up. Yeah. The clay is so stressed at that point. Wow. You know, because it's been through. It's, it's even worse. I try, I try some pieces, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, low fire by 1800 degrees, which is still really intense, but it's low fire to me. You know, you, you take them there, you try to do as many layers as you can at 1800 degrees mm-hmm. and then only fire once the final fire and at 2200 degrees. But sometimes it's just, it's better. I have to fire, you know, two disc fires and then I do two or three final fires to get the look I want. So just, you know, figuring all that out, like figuring out what glazes to use, what firing schedule to go with that alone is just, it's crazy how much time is involved just to get, you know, a final uh, artist proof. Right. Which then is going to be the basis for the production pieces. Right. Right. So that should answer the question why your mugs are so expensive. Cause I know that I, I, I see, I remember seeing comments when you when you were releasing things like that, that's just too expensive. Like they don't get it. They don't get it. It's like you're probably still not making a ton of money with even as as much as they cost because all the time you're putting into it. Yeah, yeah, the sheer amount of time. Yeah, that's involved to get there. Yeah, yeah, they're like they're really one of a kind collectible pieces. All of them. So that's pretty amazing. How, is that that um, that I'm. Um, <laughs> I know the process of um, glazes because of my uncle, and uh, so so I knew knew about that. How it's like a weird thing, and you can't always see the color. What about that red used for blood? It, does that look red when you're putting it on there? I'm just, just yeah. Oh, okay, you know what? That actually does have uh, have it looks red. It doesn't. You know, it's not glossy and shiny and everything. Uh, it's it's a real dull red. Oh, okay, but, yeah, so the that, shine that comes was- after you fire it. Yep, yep. The shine comes after you fire it. So that that one's actually one of the easier ones to do because you can see what you're doing, and mm-hmm. you know it, it, it kind of feels you know like blood when you're put when you're applying it. So right. it's it's way easier to do than some of the other colors. Yeah, it's so fascinating. It's like now I want to I want to do that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> <try> man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I I don't you know it's the same thing with tattooing. It's like I just don't have the time to l- learn a new skill at this point. I'm, I gotta yeah. keep I gotta keep the wheels from falling off this wagon. So it's like I don't have time really to maybe one day in my old age when I'm loaded, <laughs> got all kinds of money and do whatever I want. <laughs> um, yeah. So you I mean you've got like a nice studio behind you um i'll post it on the patreon it looks like a pretty cool little studio i mean where is this it's my basement in, oh in, really uh, yeah yeah it's just my basement yeah Excellent. it's just an unfinished unfinished basement yeah yeah oh turn it around a little bit wow so yeah. i got all my if i can kind of see back there my screen's super tiny but um yeah so there's a bunch of mugs back there. those are all like prototypes and 
I had to screen grab that one too. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a nice space, yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah, it's pretty pretty big. There's some of my um there's some of my older pieces. Yeah, mm-hmm. These were some of the pieces that I first did when um when I first started trying to learn how to actually sculpt. Those were some of my uh pieces from that time. Screen grab that too. That's yeah, cool. That's cool. So okay, um God, how much space does a kiln take up? That's well, gotta be kind of scary having a kiln in your basement. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. You got to make sure there's nothing flammable around them, right? Because uh, the surface gets really, really hot. I bet. Um, yeah, I've, I have four of them. So oh wow! Have, yeah, so it's, it's, they take up a good bit of space. Yeah. So this is your like this is your full time gig now. It's like at what point were you able to just quit teaching and and start doing this full time. Was it right yeah. after you went viral? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, uh, in, in early 2000, let's see, by, uh, by December, 2015. Uh, so about a, a, almost two months when that image first went viral, I had, I had my first pieces molded and cast and, um, figured out some blazes and I had a release that uh, I think it was like December 20th or something, right before Christmas. I remember I, I released my first batch of mugs. I think I, I don't know, 20 or 25 of them. Oh, I lost you again. This is going to be a three-parter, Brian. Sorry. Let's see if it reconnects. Reconnecting. <laughs> um, oh, they- oh you, come, you came back in and then it stopped. Damn it. Okay, we're working through text here. Okay, continue with your story. All right, so, yeah, so I released those uh, right before Christmas, and, and I, like 20 or 25, they sold out really quick. Uh, I was just like blown away, like, man, this is awesome. And, um, and then, so I just That's a lot of working. money too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when yeah, you think about yeah. it, you know, all of a sudden, yeah. that, like out of nowhere, that's crazy. Oh, absolutely, man. I was blown away. Like, you know, coming off a teacher's salary. And then I saw this opportunity to, you know, I was like, man, if, if this literally stays, you know, this popular, I don't even care if it's for a year, you know, right. I, can, I can quit my job. And the first thing I'm thinking like, man, what a dream to, to be able to do art like right. this, you know? something you dreamed of as a kid yeah I, I never really considered it even you know being possible uh, really i think it's yeah i mean i think i said earlier i never did it for the money anyways you right. know i mean i don't guess none of us really do <laughs> you just yeah right with it you're obsessed with it and it's cool if you can make some money off of it and if you don't you're gonna do it anyway mm-hmm. so but yeah i started uh busting it on those orders and it took me nearly two months to get those ready because i was still in the first stages so i was still figuring a lot out a whole right. lot yeah that just seems in, that seems crazy to have all that happen at once then they have to yeah. pull it together you must have been stressing oh dude yeah it was crazy plus we had a um you know my little girl was born in september uh, of six, 16 so you know we had, had a baby right it was, it was cool the lord just worked it out where i, I was able to take um a paternity leave from uh, work uh-huh and it wasn't paid, but I could, I remember finding out that I could take up to 10 weeks. And, um, so my, my 
the principal at the time, me and him go way back. He was actually my baseball coach when I went to school there. So we were, we were really close buddies. And I just, you know, I told him the situation with the uh, pottery and, you know, and then he was cool with me taking leave. So I, I wanted up taking two weeks off. Uh, wow. Yeah. From, from school. And, um, and I was just, dude, I mean, I was working, you know how it is, man. You work in, you know, 20 hour days. Yeah. yeah. Three hours, you know, yep. with a new kid and, and this going on. And I mean, I was just barely sleeping and just busting it. Like I just kind of, I just, I just saw this opportunity to hopefully, you know, be able to quit teaching and, and really pursue something I really love and was passionate about. So but I, I enjoyed teaching. I really enjoyed the kids, but you know, art, is a whole nother level. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, yeah. But, um, anyways, it just, it, it took off from there, dude. The next release I had, it, it, it sold out in minutes as well. And it's just, it's just been crazy ever since then. It's been really, the, the market's really been strong ever since. Really? Yeah. So I wound up quitting at the end of, um, at the end of that year. So, um, 2000, June, 2016, I finished up, uh, that semester, I, I think by the time I went back to work after my leave, I had like a month left, and um, and so I just quit. And did all the kids know why you were leaving? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. They, they thought it was pretty hilarious because I went from like you know um, two thousand followers on Instagram to like thirty thousand overnight, pretty much. Wow, you know, amazing. So, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like you mentioned uh, earlier, like uh, being on uh, Huffington Post, stuff like that just really blew it up. And Yeah. Yeah, so of course the kids being on Instagram and stuff, they were they were tripping out, man. Like, dude, yeah. I didn't know you can do stuff like that. Because you know, I, I was a special ed math teacher. Oh, wow. I wasn't, even, I wasn't even involved in any kind of art at school. Right. So. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. That must. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Right. Yeah, I agree, man. And, and you and you jumped on it because you're smart. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm smart, but I, I'm I, I'm pretty hard headed and determined when it comes to it and down to something you know that I want to go after. I'm just like as hard as I can after it, you know. Right, right. No, that's that's you know that's what you should have done. That's that's great. I mean, something like that comes along. It literally is one of those once in a lifetime things. Because I mean, what? what where where were you featured? I mean, were there, was it a lot of different sources, or was there one like? Did you get on TV or anything like that? Because it seemed like it was everywhere. I know I can't even recall every every everybody there. A, a board panda. I, oh I right, board panda. Yeah, yeah. The biggest ones I remember was board panda. And actually, talking about the kids at school, a lot of the kids at school were familiar with that either website or app or whatever you know on their mm. phone, and and so they were like, Mister Mark. <laughs> Coach Nate, you know, dude, what in the world, man? This is you? <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So, but Huffington Post, Board Panda, those are the two that I, that really jump out to me. Yeah. Um, not really big ones. And then uh, Fox 5 in Atlanta, uh, the lo- you know, the local news store, the, one of the big news channels in Atlanta, they, um, it was kind of funny because one of their reporters was getting his teeth cleaned. Uh, or no, 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 no. I don't know. Anyways, my, my sister-in-law was cleaning somebody's teeth and got to talking about my mugs. And, um, and then he was like, he's buddies with one of the reporters. Anyways, he told him about it. And that guy was like, Oh man, I want to come interview him. So, um, 
Paul Milliken is the guy's name, the reporter, really cool dude. Uh, him and his cameraman came up to the shop and did a little interview, um, which was nerve wracking. Yeah, man, I hate I, I hate being you know anything uh, <laughs> in the spotlight at all. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I don't even like interviews neither, but you know they're cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, and don't get me wrong, I was pumped when you asked me, but, you know, I, you're, you're checked out as well, so it's a little <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta, uh, you gotta get used to it when you have something that good, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out how to deal with it, you know. I don't yeah, know. I'm not, I'm not, I agree. I wasn't crazy about that stuff myself when I um, first started getting some recognition, but I got interviewed for a, another podcast yesterday. And man, I killed it. It was amazing. Afterwards, I was like, wow, I did so good. I can't believe it because I'm just such a, a mush mouth normally. I just can't, you know, like when I started the podcast, I just, I was so bad at it and I knew it. And I was, I even said it, I think on the podcast, you know, I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at verbalizing. I'm not a verbal person, but yeah. you know, you practice it enough and, and you learn how to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it's it's funny that you're talking about that because I've been um, uh, I think I told you earlier when we first got on the I'd, I'd been uh, binging the your podcast mm. and catching up just you know seeing how it was right uh, and I kind of which I've kind of gathered that from you too like meeting you at the shows a couple times you right. know yeah yeah and, and I've heard you mention what you just mentioned a few times on the podcast so that that kind of encouraged me like yeah you know oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, he's good at it too, you know. I'm the worst uh, case scenario. If I can do it, anyone yeah. can do it. <laughs> That's the way I see yeah. it. It's just like anything, but, you gotta practice, you know. Yeah, but you're right though, like from a just from a business perspective too, like uh being able to, you know, be willing to do interviews and, and whatnot, you know, it's really big because oh, yeah. you know, it helps with exposure. Um I mean, that's not why I'm on here with you. I, I wanted to chat with you for real because, you know, any time I get to chat with an artist that I really look up to, that's that's a plus for me. But, you know, you know, like that interview with, with Fox 5, you know, that, right. was, that was miserable. But um, <laughs> it was, man. It was. Luckily, Paul was a really cool guy. I mean, he's yeah. a super cool and, and a down-to-earth guy and, you know, made it really comfortable. And I, I'm sure he understood, you know, the situation, you know, being thrust into that yeah yeah you had no warm-up man you were just boom <laughs> yeah, yeah straight up so, <laughs> yeah. a success story it's, it's so cool it's, it's cool you gotta do what you gotta do though yeah yeah i've i mean i've offered artists to come on the podcast for interviews and then and, and they've turned me down because they're they they're afraid to do it or they don't feel comfortable talking and it's like Man, I felt that way too the first time I was on a podcast, yeah. and it's like, and I probably sucked, but you have to do it. It's you know, it's worth the. It's you have to do it if you're going to be successful. I agree. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, that's I guess that's why some people make it and some people don't. I suppose you know, I've I've always been like, I'm going to do you know whatever it takes. But you know, yeah, right. I'm going to work as hard as whatever it takes within, you know, my, within my own personal moral convictions or whatever, you know, but, but, you know, as far as working hard or doing things that are uncomfortable, mm. I'm, I'm going to do it because I have no choice. I have to, you do, got it. to do it. Right? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Like, I'd rather be uncomfortable than to be back at my old job, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, right. It's a right. different different kind of discomfort. <laughs> I'd rather work twenty hour days than be at my old job. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> working eight hours at my old job. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally got to just do it, man. So how many um, how many releases have you done now? I mean, you you kind of they're 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 still relatively small runs. I mean, you're not like having these things made in China or anything. It's like you're doing them yourself. So it seems like they're not humongous runs, right? When you, when you yeah, yeah. release one, like how many do you release at a time and, and how many different models have you released? Man, man, those are some, uh, those are some tough questions for my <laughs> terrible memory, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it's like I focus so much on stuff. I just like block up. Yeah. Well, you can information be, that's not reported to me at the time. I just kind of block it out. But, I totally can relate. Well, just give me a ballpark. Well, uh, a release can range anywhere from 30 mugs to 100 mugs. Okay. Um, it really depends on, a lot of it depends on what we want to do in the shop at the time, you know, if we, because 100 mugs is going to take a while, you know. Yeah, and, I bet. Working on, working on that many pieces gets boring, so I right. like switching it up. I like to switch it up and keep it interesting in the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as models um, or, or releases, you were talking about how many, I don't even know how many releases I've had now. Um, shoot. I mean, this year I've had way more in 2019 than usual. Mm-hmm. I've got some extra help in the shop too as well. So that's, oh, good. That's been a, yeah, that's been a big relief. Uh, it's freed up a lot of time for me to work on new designs. Um, but we we've been releasing like um, we've had like one or two releases a month so far oh, this wow. year. Last Man, I year, had no idea. Yeah, yeah, we crank it up, but uh, last year it was about half that. Mm. And then as far as models, I've had let's see, one, two, like primary designs. I've had one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. I think six now, and then off those six primary designs, um, I've had a, a bunch of different variants. Oh you know, yeah, right. Different colorways and stuff like that. Yeah. But was, you know, a couple limited edition pieces mixed in there. I was doing some, when I was doing a little bit of research before the, the uh, inter- interview here, I uh, I saw one. I really, I saw the one I want. There's one that's yeah. like, a, it looks like a mummy. Yeah, it's, the yeah, mummy. Yeah. It's, it's like a stretched out kind of dry, yeah. yellowish mummy. If, yeah. if you yeah. have any of those extras... Uh, <laughs> I can, I'll do an art trade with you or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, 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 that was that was a really fun one to work on. I just um, I I, I just think mummies are cool as crap. Man. They are cool. And, yeah, so I just referenced a bunch of um, bunch of mummies and real mummies, and um, yeah, and that and popped out. So that was a pretty fun one to do. I left the eyes out of it, so they have kind of kind of dried up with yeah, eyes. I love that. Of, yeah. I was kind of hesitant at first because I, I enjoyed doing the eyes, and like they really make a piece pop. Oh, you know, yeah. eyes, yep. eyes, and eyes and teeth. You know that they they really make they give life to a piece. So I was real hesitant about that piece at first without the eyes. Right. Um, I mean, it has eyes, but you know, it just kind of has sockets. I the, I, I go through that same um, issue when I'm painting too. I always think because it's like you know you put an eyeball in and you put a little white dot on it for the shine, and it's like the thing comes yeah. to life. And so, but then other ones, you know, I had the idea of these empty sockets and you kind of go, Hmm, what do I, do? <laughs> can I get away uh, with this? 
But you can get pretty creepy when you do it that way too. Though, oh I yeah, found. oh yeah, yeah. The whole empty eye socket's actually very creepy. So it just depends on the effect you want. You know, you, yep. they, they can't all have shiny eyeballs, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you, one I really thought was cool that I saw too was like a wood, like a wood guy, and he had a nail for a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, cool. So- so that's, those were from um, back in the day when I did my, all my runoffs, and I, I was really uh, I was known for um, for doing the fence post is what it's supposed to be. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you see the top of that particular piece, it, it kind of ties it together because you know you know the top of the fence post right. kind of cracked cracked up, and you can see the old rings of the tree, you know, and stuff like that. So. You gotta, you gotta kind of see the tops of those pieces to really understand what's going on fully. But yeah, I used to do those a lot. They were super popular pieces. Yeah, it's like stick a little nail, you know, hanging yeah, out. That's so clever. <laughs> that was ceramic though, the nails, you know. Um, and and so I would, you know, put some nails sticking out, or a lot of times I put like cigars hanging out, mm-hmm. you know, too. People love that. I did a few where, like, the side of his head was like charred. And, oh, cool! <laughs> the side that he was smoking on, you know, that's great. Like, <laughs> yeah. up. You have a, you have a clever ideas. You have I like your your ideas. They're really cre- nice, creative, creative, and and fun too. It's like all the stuff you do is is it's uh, you know it's creepy and gross, but really fun too. You know? Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I I guess you just kind of make whatever you make. You mm-hmm. know, you just come out. You know, I don't know. You don't. It's almost like you don't have a, or me, I don't, I don't have a ton of control on what comes out. Right. You just, kind of, just, you know, just kind of do it, you know, especially with sculpting. Uh, it, it just seems a lot different than, you know, back when I used to draw, because I just kind of push clay around until it starts looking like uh, I want to look. Really? So, so at the de- design stage, you're not sketching them out? You're like just kind of messing around with clay or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. I, I used to, I used to kind of, I would, I would used to kind of sketch, like actually draw some sketches of pieces back in the day, but I don't, I don't really do that anymore. If I have an idea, um, I'll either make like a little small, um, just clay sketch of it, or I'll just jump into a piece and just start going with it. Right. You know, um, I used to not use reference ever. I would just go straight off, you know, you know just my imagination all the time. Like going back to what I said earlier, like just being kind of hard headed and wanting to do everything just my yeah, way. And, yeah. Right. Not even learning how to sculpt, just winging it. Yeah. It. But but once I you know got into researching on how you know everybody else really does it and how why they're so successful, you know, you find out how important reference is. Oh yeah. And I still, yeah, I know, right? It's like it's it's so important, but at the same time, I still shy away from it a lot of times, just because I don't want to incorporate too much of somebody else's work into my work. You right. know. Um. But, you know, I look at something really cool, like your work. You know, I remember when I first came across your work, it was back in maybe 16. And uh, I posted something and somebody commented below, was like, oh, this is like um, Chet Zare's work. And I was like, who's this? So I clicked. I came to find out I'd seen your work before. I just didn't know who you were. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's when I first saw your work. And I was like, oh, dude, this dude is killer. And I love, you know, the style and stuff. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely, I think the humor is similar in our work. I think, you know, I kind of feel like my stuff, a lot, not all of it, but a lot of it has kind of like that 
weird sense of humor and kind of sense of fun to it in a way, you know? Yeah, yeah, tell, yeah, yeah. I think that's what caught my attention at first. They were, yeah, I totally. It's it's almost hard to describe, but yeah, I, see, I know what you're saying. Totally. Well, that, that's that's a good good point to bring up the uh, the the one mug that you did that you said was inspired by my work. Yeah, yeah, and because and, and I and I bring it up because people kept hitting me up, going, "Man, this dude's ripping you off," and I'm like, "No, no, no." He asked me first. It's totally great. It's 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 awesome. I love that he did that. And he's like, "Okay, it's really it's actually really sweet that the fans would think of me like that. Like they'll hit me up and and they're like they're looking out for me, which is really a, a great feeling." But I kept having to tell him, no, no, he's cool. He's cool. He, he, he totally like came to me and asked me first, and I was like, all for it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, going back to when I first saw your work, and, and, and I've, since I've done like functional pieces for so long, when I look at, you know, somebody's work, like I almost just immediately start seeing a mug or a judge. Right, and, right, right. And, and I'm looking at one of your uh, prints right now, hanging up in the shop, and it, you know, he's kind of got a flatter head on it, and um, you know, it just has that. I, I've told you this before at the show, you know, when we've chatted, that you know, it just looks like a mug to me. So right. I thought it, <laughs> I thought it was, you know, I thought it would be really cool to, to I don't know. I, I think out of everybody's work that I follow and, and really appreciate and admire, your work probably kind of fits into what I do the best as far as the forms, mm, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's all the flat so heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's just, like, there's so many pieces that have that that um, that shape that just kind of immediately jumps out as a mug to me. And, and I don't know. I, I know one day I was just looking at something. I thought, man, I th- I'd like to just try to turn one of these into a mug. And that's when I hit you up about yeah, that. Yeah, that's cool. Make sure you didn't mind. No, yeah, I loved it. I was, I was, it was, I was honored. That mug's still sitting down here in the shop, man. It's, it's over there on one of my. Um, I've, I've got a, a shelf on the other side of the shelf that um, has um, just a lot of unfinished pieces on it. That that over the years they just kind of get set up there. I, uh, it's been disfired, but I haven't uh, glazed it at all. Oh, one day, right. I, yeah, one day I maybe get around to finishing that piece. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> be, I'd love to. I can't wait to see that. Uh, have you? So have you? You, you, I know you sculpted that little. I'm sure you do. It's a dumb, dumb question, really. I was going <laughs> to ask you, but um, what other? I guess a better way to word it is: what other things besides mugs are you doing with your sculpting talent? Because I know, like I said, that little magnet, which I still have on my refrigerator, the vampire. Oh, I was just showing you. my wife. I was like, "Oh, I'm interviewing that guy." <laughs> oh, <cool>. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, do you do a lot of? little figures or have you thought of doing other ceramic type things like wall plaques or just who knows what you could do so much with ceramic. It right. seems like, right. Yeah, man, I've probably thought of everything there is with ceramics that I could do. It's, you, you know how it is. It boils down to time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You're, if you're making money, making mugs, you're going to be yeah. making mugs. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't like get away from it because it's, you know, it's the, the, the heart of the business. So, right. but I, I so I started, about three years ago, experimenting with uh, monster clay and Shabbat and um, Sculpey and stuff like that. And I've, I've winded up going favoring monster clay mm-hmm. uh, the most. Shabbat's just too sticky for it me. It is and, sticky. It's really sticky. <clears throat> but you, that's, yeah. why, that's why I use powder on it. You ever use baby powder on it? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, because I, I um, you know, you rake it 
And then you mm -hmm. kind of get rid of the rake marks once your form's all done. And then it gets to a certain point right before detailing. And then I'll just take a brush and put baby powder on it, which is real kind of silky. And that takes all the stickiness away. And then, then you can detail oh. it. And uh, like you can do plastic, you can do like a pokey tool yeah. through plastic. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. stick to the clay because it's got that um, yeah, film. baby um, powder on it. Yeah, you should try it. I, yeah, I've, I've seen, now that you mentioned, I've seen that online before, but I never, I don't know, really never thought about it. So, Monster yeah, Clay is great, too, though. I love Monster Clay. Yeah, I've really enjoyed using it. Um, it was really tough at first, transitioning from uh, water-based clay. To, I bet. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. I was like, oh, my God, what is going on here? And um, But I was just, like, the term, I could I immediately realize the, the level of detail that I would be able to get. Right. Uh, full base versus you know a water-based clay so i i just stuck with it and i was um, yeah so getting you know like that little vampire head um yeah i love doing small pieces uh like that um which that like a little bit bigger than one six but um similar on there and then i do some i've sculpted some um one quarter scale head batman joker stuff like that that's that's almost like my little side hobby right just for fun yep. sort of yeah yeah, I mean, I've, I sell some of them. I've never actually sold the vampire one. But that came to be actually because once I started pouring silicone and resin, I realized I always had extra leftover. Right. And it was just annoying, like, it going to waste. So I was like, I'm just going to sculpt something little. Yeah. You know, that would be super easy to mold, little one-piece block mold. And if I ever have any silicone, I just pour it over there and, or, you know, any resin, I'm just poured up in there. So that's how that vampire came about. But mm. um, so I've got like 20 of those little molds laying around uh, from over the past couple of years. Yeah, um, I actually, cool. I, I really, I really hate that sculpt, actually. Really? I want to, yeah, I kind of rushed through it. It was one of my first sculpts of Monster Clay, and I just wasn't happy with it. I want to, I want to go back in and change that thing up. Yeah, um, I thought it was great. Yeah, you know, uh, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. It impressed me. Have you, <laughs> have you, <laughs> have you done um used wed clay for the because what, what, the thing about wed clay is you know you work it as it as it as you're working it it dries and yeah. you can you can get it to a point where it's like wax almost it gets it gets dry enough to where you can really detail the hell out of it it's really yeah, nice I, when it gets to that stage too like it gets carved Right, right. I've I've used I've used red clay as well, um, and I honestly I like my stoneware better than red. I gotta clay. try that stoneware now. I'm really curious about it's just, that. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, which I've been. It's kind of like I hear about you know the sculptors that that use, they love savant, like they you know they yeah. just they love it. Or you know Tom, he uses Sculpey to do all his stuff. Yeah, I couldn't believe I that. Think, That's that was right? crazy it's, to me. It's amazing. But I think you need to just get used to something because yeah. I've been working with stoneware for nearly twenty years now, right. and you just you just get used to it and you just prefer it because. But it, it does what what you just described. You know, it it same uh, characteristics as wet clay. Mm -hmm. But I actually find out I, I found it doesn't dry as quick as wet clay, and oh. even though, even though wet is formulated not to dry fast, I found my stoneware to be just a little easier to keep from cracking. Interesting, and yeah. Um, and yeah, I can I can get it down to where the detail you know is pretty good, but I just I can go farther right. with with old base. I mean, I'm just not that good, so I have to switch up the clay and, and go with 
go with the old base plays to to really work. It takes, and when I get down to the detail work, man, it it takes me so long. I'm so slow about it all, and then you know it just has to look just right and all that. And I'm still learning and all that, and so it it, it with that stoneware web play, it, it just winds up drying out too too fast on me. You know, I just like being able to take my time with the old base. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That That is a nice feature of it. And and, and I, the other thing I like about oil-based clay is that, especially when you're working on something kind of small, if you want it, if you want to do really fine detail, you can put it in the freezer, you know? Yeah, yeah, And, and yeah. get it really cold. Then it gets really hard. And um, yep. you can, it's also cool. I like using a, I don't know if you've ever, ever used, it might not be suitable for what you're doing, but I like to use a torch as well for to smooth things out. Sometimes, you know, you just barely touch, run a run a torch over it, kind of just mm-hmm. melts it, melts the surface and smooths it. Yeah, I, I was actually doing that technique earlier on a mug that I was working on. But yeah, some of the smaller, uh, like quarter scale heads that I do. Yeah, I, I tried that at first, and it, it's just too tiny. It just kind of blows yeah, out the yeah. detail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it, you, you just barely do it. Oh yeah. man, especially with. Uh, with monster clay, man, you you touch it a little too long and it's bleh, the whole thing's gone. Ah, it melts. Yeah, right. yeah, totally. Now I, I have finished some of my uh, some of my mugs. I've just I finished them in, in my stoneware and then um, went straight to molding. Like I didn't get like the um, immortal mask. I did a um, collaboration with them and I turned their immortal mask into a mug. That piece I did in in stoneware. Hmm. Um, uh, the the Michael Myers mug that I did, I did it all in stoneware too. So you know, I'm, I, it just depends on the piece and kind of what I'm feeling, you know, and kind of what my end goal is. Right. So how do you how do you do you have trouble shipping? Because I would be afraid to ship that stuff. I don't actually. Uh, there again, going back to how I was, uh, you know, the people I was around when I was first uh, involved in ceramics. Uh, you know, I learned how to ship. You know, I just learned all this from right. you know, they were just experts at all this stuff and, and they just passed on their knowledge and I'm like, here, I don't have to mess nothing up. You know? That's cool. And, That's cool. It seems so yeah. scary to ship a ceramic piece. Yeah, they're packed really well, double boxed and, and, mm. and the boxes the boxes are heavy duty and, you know, um air pillows and right. and all that stuff in there. So they, they you know, it's it's an oversized box, so it's a you know, it's like a usually a pretty pretty good sized box and then you got a mug inside of it but you know they arrive they arrive safely we haven't we haven't had one damage during shipping yet oh wow. actually, yeah i mean not like bragging or nothing but over the years i've only had one piece broken that i've ever shipped and none of the mugs but one of my original pieces mm. it was a uh, it was back when uh, that movie 300 came out and i did a uh, a spartan head bust out of clay with a big helmet with a big you know, the, the plume on top is all closed. And the helmet, I actually made the helmet separate. And then uh, I turned the, I turned the helmet on a reel so it was hollow. And then I, I turned the bust on the reel and sculpted it. And then I set the helmet down to his head. And um, Wow, that's so, so cool. So the cheek plates, they, they, they weren't actually touching his cheeks. So, you know, there, there was a separation there. Oh, that must have been and, amazing looking. Uh, I... I was pretty happy with it at the time, um, just because it was a pretty difficult piece to pull off. But uh, for me, and um, I wound up having to ship it to uh, Ohio, I think. And um, 
I was pretty nervous about that. So I actually let UPS pack it for me. Oh, that's a mistake. (laughs) I know. The first time I ever did that. Someone sent something to the Conjoined show, and they paid like a lot. I don't remember who it was. They paid a lot extra to have UPS did it. UPS basically just threw it in a box. I could not believe it, and it it was just destroyed. It was terrible. It was such a... And watched them actually, um, you know, pack mine. And I, I thought they did a fairly good job, but one of the, one of the cheek plates um, on the helmet winded up snapping. And um, they, I, I should have had a little support between the, you know, the plate and the face, his cheek. I should have had a little support right there. But, anyways, I, the reason I really let them pack that piece uh, is because it was, you know, it would be guaranteed if it was broken in transit. You right, know? right. Would be fully insured, no questions asked. So, but that was actually the only piece that I've ever lost during, or, or you know, had break. And uh, the customer, she winded up just, you know, super gluing it back together instead of going through all the trouble. Um, right. Was that, that was a life size head? Yeah, it was a 1 1. When I first sculpted it, the, the shrinkage rate for ceramics is anywhere from like 10 to 15%. Oh, okay. So when I, when I first sculpted it, it was like 1 1, and then it shrunk down a little bit smaller. But yeah, it was a, it was a big piece, really big. Probably, probably one of the biggest pieces I've made at that time. So did, did you have to hollow it out and all that? I, I know I heard like when you fire things like, a, say, a bust that you sculpted, you have to kind of hollow the inside out. And at least that's what I've seen done. Yeah. 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 I know. I know what you're talking about. I actually, one of the challenges always, um, I never hand build anything. So I would, I would turn it up on the wheel. So like the head for this dude, it was a, it was a form that I turned on the wheel. So it was, oh, it was hollow already. Yeah. So I would turn up, you know, for his shoulders, I turned that one large piece and then cut it in half to make his shoulders, to, you know, and, and the base to sit on the uh, the surface. And then I would attach his head. His neck was another piece and then his head was a piece. So I would turn each one of these pieces. Oh, wow. Connect them all together. And it was just, I was just kind of challenging myself. It, it made more sense to do what you described. And I see a lot of people do this, you know, they'll sculpt a piece and then they'll slice it into sections hollow each section out and then put it you know, back put together it mm-hmm. together to fire it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just being hard headed again. And I just would turn stuff up on the wheel. Yeah. Just, for, just, for just challenge myself. Right. You can't fire. Can you fire wet clay? No, I've, um, I've, uh, me and my buddies were talking about that one time. And, um, one of them said that he heard that you could, you could, fi- you could biscuit like to a low temperature, a really low temperature. But um, no, I don't think you can. No, yeah. So it's got like uh, silica in it, I believe, which gives it that really smooth. Um, which is glycerin. that? What's that? Glycerin, I think. Is, is it glycerin? I think uh, maybe, maybe yeah. something like that. Yeah, I thought it was silica, which is that stuff that you like. It's like a thickener. It's really nasty uh, when it's not mixed in something. It's used it for thickening resins and and silicones and stuff. And it's like, it's so fine and tiny that when you you have to wear a mask because it just stuff floats everywhere. Uh, That's why I I thought that the, it's like carcinogenic to breathe in. That's why I thought that um, uh, wet clay dust is really dangerous. It is really bad Because I thought it was, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It, it might be but, glycerin. 
Well, well I don't know. I, I don't know a lot about it. I thought I just read that somewhere before. Be. That's what that's what gave it. I I, I I thought I read that somewhere that 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 was the ingredient they added to it to. Um, I don't know, make it last long, you know, not dry out as quickly or some some of that nature. Right, right, yeah. I love yeah, that. but that, the dust from any of those water-based plates is not good to breathe. Yeah, I suppose it's just the dust factor itself, really. It's not necessarily what's in there. It's any any of that kind of dust is not good to breathe. Well, well, what you mentioned, having silica in it, super. that's really dangerous. Yeah, you know? yeah. But the stoneware we use for the for casting the mugs, it has silica in it. So, mm. um, yeah, we keep the shop really clean. I remember the um, the first time I met, um, well, the only time I met uh, Rick Baker. Um, he the, it was at Monster Palooza. I think it was that first year I went, and uh, he, um, uh, um, I told him what I did or something like that. I can't remember how the conversation started, but he was like, do you know, uh, rump pottery. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, he, he knew the guy. Oh yeah. And, I got one of those. Okay. Yeah. So he was from California. Yeah. It was oh, a, a mug. I have one of those mugs. Yeah. I don't know a lot about him. I know he did some star Wars stuff. I've, I've, I've never read a lot about him. I know his work though. But anyways, he said, do you know his work? I was like, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's awesome. And he was like, man, you better be careful with that dust, man. He said, I would go into his shop and every step you would take, just big clouds of dust would just poof, wow, poof that, up. that dude died young, died. too. He died from it. Yeah, apparently he died from that. Yeah. Whoa, I didn't realize that, man. My days are numbered. I think of all the, all the, all the <laughs> stuff I breathed when I was young and stupid in the business and man. But whatever, I don't know. A lot of it's <laughs> a lot of it's genetic. That's that's, that's something yeah, I keep telling true, myself. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to keep the shot really clean just to keep the dust factor down. Yeah, from the a lot of a lot of clean sweep. Yeah, mopping. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, why we used to do du- uh, clean sweep all over the floor at the end of the day at Rick's, and then sweep it all up, and that seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, just. Uh, uh, every two weeks, uh, the whole shop is mopped down. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, uh, after after the casting week, because we do we do like a casting week and then uh, glaze week. So after after the end of uh, five days of casting, the, the door uh, or the floor around the area, especially where the casting tables are, gets pretty thick with with dust and clay. So keeping it mopped helps it from you know flying up in the air everywhere. Right, right. How many people you have? Working for you. <clears throat> I, got two, I got two right now, and my wife. My wife keeps the books. Oh, and, that's um, nice. Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, and then I have two assistants right now. So that's cool. Did you have to train them, or were they people with like a sculpture background or ceramic background? No, yeah, none, none of that. Uh, one of them, uh, <clears throat> they're super talented too. They're so talented. Uh, one of them, um, I've, uh, we we chatted on Instagram, and she. Um, I kind of I made a post a couple of years ago, and, and at the end of the post, um, I mentioned, you know, if, if somebody was looking, you know, to to get in the business or something, you know, or you know, I needed some help around the shop, and she commented, and um, so I went to her Instagram, and there was a there was a bust of a predator mm-hmm. on her Instagram, and it was insane. You love Predator too. I saw it's oh, a favorite dude. monster. <laughs> I saw an I interview. Yeah, I love Predator. 
I love him, man. I mean, who doesn't? But to me, yeah. it kind of um, getting off what we were talking about. But you mentioned Predator. For for me, it really has um, a it's been a big impact on on just my art and stuff. But uh, there's a I mentioned earlier my my mom died when I was five, and um, there's a recording of us some sometime. It had to be fairly close to when she passed, but there's recording. Like she just got a tape recorder out mm-hmm. and recorded me and my sister and my little brother. And she's just chatting with us and talking to us. And, you know, it's just really cool. Yeah. And, um, well, during, during that, um, uh, audio, she, she's trying to get me to say Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cause uh-huh. I say it really. Uh-huh. And she's like, she's like, what movie did we watch last night? Uh, who was the guy in the movie we watched last night? So, I mean, anyways, she winds up saying, you know, it was Predator. So I don't remember it, but, you know, uh, apparently I was five years old, and, you know, which I remember watching crazy movies when I was a kid, you know, stuff I wouldn't let my kid. Right. Back. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't let my four-year-old girl watch Predator, but in the 80s, it was fine. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I showed my kids stuff they shouldn't have seen <laughs> I, uh, at too early of an age. Now that I'm older, I'm like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have shown Fritz Dawn of the Dead when he was five years old. That was probably not a good idea. <laughs> I was like, the whole way I'm like going, this is fake. This is fake. This is like what I do at work. This is, and he was, he was grew up around effects shops. So there was that, but still, God, I remember seeing the first R rated movie when I was like, God, what was I must have been eight or nine years old, and it was Death Race 2000. Did you ever see that one? John Carradine. It's like super cheesy um, Roger Corman film. Uh, You know, basically it's a dystopian future, and it was one day. One there's this big race that goes across the country, and you get points for running people over. It's kind of like campy and sort of funny. You know, it's like a sci-fi sort of comedy, weird comedy. But there's there's a part where this guy runs. A, this guy's fishing. Like every, most people in, in the movie, most people ha, like they go in, indoors for that day, and then you got people that like are, all, are like try and challenge the riders and yeah. taunt them and stuff. And then there's just one guy out in the country fishing, and then one of the guys comes up to him and he and and basically runs him over in the in the <laughs> creek, and then like burns out on his leg and all this blood and water goes shooting up. And I remember just like this horrible feeling in my stomach when I saw that. It's like, I was not ready for that. (laughs) And then it's like, yeah. And then it's like, you kind of get used to it and it's like, Oh, and and that's maybe part of the reason I was, you know, into, into learning how to recreate that gory stuff when I, cause when I was doing makeup, when I was a kid, it was all about making cut off fingers and burns on people. And, you know, that might've been, Part of the reason I got into that, yeah, it's kind of fun. Maybe that. <laughs> uh, one, one movie that really sticks out to me as a kid was uh, Waxwork um, and, and the werewolf scene in the cabin. I don't think I've ever even seen Waxwork. That's a, that's an Empire film, I think. Charles Band film, right? Or it's one of those like uh, Puppet Master. It's like the same production yeah, company, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but that I, I remember watching that as a kid, and the scene. There's a werewolf scene in this cabin, and dude, this werewolf absolutely scarred me. I mean, <laughs> to this day, when I see that image of that werewolf, 
I'm just like, that dude is creepy. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I got to uh, see it now. <laughs> no, you, you need to. It's a, it's a really good movie. I, I really, I still enjoy watching it. Really? But, um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a fun movie. And, um, it's just that, that werewolf though, like it was, it was so terrifying. And I had so many nightmares about that werewolf as wow. a kid. Yeah. But, but it was so intriguing as well. Yeah. Like, that's how it, it is. Just, yeah. I was like blown away. Like, you know, it's kind of weird um, being so intrigued by this monster and terrified at the same time. Right, Like, right. You, you know it's not real, but maybe it is real. Yeah, you know, when, when you're, we, especially when you're a kid. Yeah, when you're, that's a weird thing about being a kid is, you know, I, I go through this with my, my granddaughters. Like, the most recent thing was that Momo. Did you see the Momo yeah, thing? Did, all, yeah. And I don't yeah. know if your kids were talking about it, but all, all of a sudden, both of the granddaughters, they're seven and eight, they were like, you know, did you heard about Momo? <laughs> <laughs> they're explaining me the whole thing, and I'm like, "It's not real." And they're like, "I think it's, I think it's real." Like they really thought it was real. I'm like, "It's, it's definitely not real. It's a sculpture. I saw a picture of the right. sculpture next to the artist. They just, it's like it doesn't compute. You know, they don't have that ability yet to, to be kind of rational. Yeah, <laughs> it's, totally. You yeah. know, and it's I like know. that's kind of the magic of being a kid. But then that, that's the flip side of that magic too. You know, of not yeah. not being able to distinguish reality from yeah from fiction. Some, uh, sometimes that sometimes that kid inside me when I'm outside in the start, I can feel that werewolf behind me really? still. Yeah, the <laughs> 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 the creep. We, I forget who I was talking about that when I came or when I was uh, in LA for Monster Palooza um, a few weeks ago, whenever it was. We, we were talking about that, you know, that that creepy feeling that you still get as an adult. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you totally know it's not real, but it's like that little kid inside you's like that, that werewolf's right behind you, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or when I'm shutting down the shop, right? You know, like, yeah. And everything's dark, and there's a dim light coming from the top of the steps. You know, it's just the perfect setting for right, harm. Right, right. definitely something right behind me right now. You know? <laughs> Especially at three or four in the morning, where when you pulled one of them eighteen-hour days, yeah. and you're a little bit delusional anyway, yeah. and you're like, "There's totally something coming after me right now." <laughs> <laughs> and you walk a little bit quicker up the steps than you normally do. Right. <laughs> Hey, did you did you ever get to meet um, Steve Wang and Matt Rose, the the, the, the guys who made Predator? Because those are the two guys that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I know Steve. Um, oh, okay. We, yeah, we've um, we've chatted a few times. We we, we I actually did a um, did a little collab with him on um, on a mug. We got some we got something in the works. But oh, I, cool. I, his, yeah, his toothpaste design. But he did for oh Dark yeah, Mystery. I saw that. I saw that. I, that's the, yeah, that, that, that's amazing. I did a little mock-up. Um, I was going to do like a chalice design of that. It just proved to be too hard to produce because there's mm. so much going on. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so like meeting Steve, like you know, it was the same year I met you in 2017 when I came to Monster Blizzard the first time. I was just like, you know, it was crazy because he worked on Predator and it yeah. was really wild. So yeah, he's a good guy. Um, did you meet? Were you able to meet Matt? No, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm so bummed for everybody for, for that loss uh, because you know I've never heard I've only heard just insane, incredible things about him, and nobody's I've never heard a crossword about him. Yeah, he was an amazing person. He was very very sweet guy. It was super sad. Yeah, yeah. I hate to hear that for everybody. What a, what a loss to the yeah. community. Yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. 
so talented, man. He yeah, was just, he, he was a real deal. Mind blowing. Um, I went. I went to Jordu uh, Jordu's shop, and he had a um, he had a, a resin cast of uh, Gil uh, the Gil Man from mm-hmm. Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. Another movie as a kid that just blew me away, man. I mean, that was right. you know, instrumental to me as a kid. Anyways, I saw that because Matt sculpted that head, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think so, so. I got to see it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got to see it up close, and, and it was just man. I mean, so beautiful. It's just insane. The the forms on that. Yeah. And, 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 and then the detail work in there was just you know. And he was like what, like 19 or 20 yeah, or something. Crazy. That's crazy. Totally <laughs> like, crazy. Man. Yeah, mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those dudes are super talented. Or Steve's still around, so hopefully I'll yeah. get, be able to get Steve on the on the show. I'd love to have Steve on here. I yeah, want. I, I was. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with him on all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> I worked with him at Rick's a lot, and at, I think it's Spectral Motion as well. He's always been a really, really great guy. Stand up guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to get Matt on the show too. I was, I was like so disappointed that. I mean, I'm sad that he died, but you know, it would have been nice to have gotten a nice long interview with him, something to leave behind, maybe, you know. Absolutely. There's man. not enough that interviews of him around. <clears throat> but yeah. That's what happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not sometimes same sense, but getting back to where the predator um thread mm-hmm. started with this. Yeah, so I saw um my current assistant, Daytona, I saw her um, predator head, or I saw this predator head on her feed, on her Instagram feed, and I was like, it was really the only art on her page, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, right. Man, I wonder if she, if she actually did that, so I hit her up, I was like, did you sculpt this, and paint it, and all that, she's like, yeah, I was like, what did, what did you use, she's like, stoneware, you know, was fired, and I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I said, do you want to, she's from, she's, she's from Arkansas. I was like, uh, do you want to move to Georgia and come work for me? She was like, yeah. Wow. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now i got to figure out how to pay this person. <laughs> well, what, what, well, no, no, I'm serious about hiring somebody. But, right. I, you know, I, I just knew, I found out she was from Arkansas. I just didn't think there was no way she was going to move to Georgia to come to work for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, she's like, yeah. So, anyways, that. You know, it'll be two years in June that she's been here. And, man, she is killer, dude. She is just jam up, I mean, with the ceramic work. But, yeah, there's a ton of training that I had to do. But she's just really, really talented. So, um, And and then I had a, another lady, uh, Lisa, she contacted me in, uh, at the end of uh, 2017. She just hit me up on Facebook. She was like, hey, you need any help around the shop? Um, she was like, I used to be a walker on, you know, The Walking Dead. She did that for a while. And she was like, I'm just... Um, I'm not doing nothing now. Seeing if you need any help, I was like, "Yeah, come on by." Because I, I was at the time, I was looking for somebody else. And um, so, anyways, so she's been here uh, since since the end of 2017, and, and she's uh, she's super talented too. They, they, neither one of them would claim it. They're super humble, but right. they're they're just like crazy talented. I'm really blessed to have them in the shop. They're super cool too. We all get along so well. We have we have a good time. I mean, we work really hard, but you know. Um, and it's frustrating. Working with ceramics is super frustrating. I you bet. Know, there's always something going wrong. There's always something to tweak. And plus, we're always trying to improve as well. So mm-hmm. uh, 
it's really challenging, but they, they, they just, they really stepped up and, and they, they, man, they're just a big help in the shop. They've been very instrumental in how much we've been able to grow over the past couple of years. Right. right. Yeah, I know. Um, since I've had a, someone helping me pack, do my packing and shipping and, and some minor casting and stretching canvases and stuff, it's, it's, I, I, I couldn't, I can't go back to, I couldn't go back. I couldn't lose her now because I wouldn't be able to do it by all by myself. You know, I, I totally, totally agree, man. Like I, tr- I try to treat them like gold. Mm-hmm. I mean, Same here. I, I really do. Which I mean, I want to because they're they're just really cool. I mean, I just love them to death. They're, we, I, you know, you got the boss employee relationship, but at the same time, like we're buddies. I mean. Right. It just they're they're just really cool. I can't uh, I don't even I can't even put it into words how much I enjoy having them in the shop and uh, how much we get along. So I just I do whatever I can for them to uh, you know make it more enjoyable. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like I want you working for me. Nobody yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. When you find someone who's good, you, you want to keep them. Yeah, you know. So what do you have any like? I always wanted this. I mean, when I first started, when I when I first decided I was going to get out of effects and become a fine artist. I was going to do sculpture and I did that soft spot sculpture. Right. I don't know if you saw it. That guy's going like that. Dude, did I see it? I mean, I love that. Oh, sculpture. Thanks. Uh, it's insane, <laughs> man. I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying. Like when, when I first saw your work, that's, and I had seen that sculpt before. Um, I hadn't seen as many of your paintings, mm. uh, when I first got on your Instagram page, but I'd seen that sculpt and, um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, it's just how you compose your work. It's so interesting, man. Oh, and it's, thanks. To me, it's, to me, it's very inspirational. Um, there's a lot of funky little forms going on, but they all flow really well together. And right. and, and like you said, the characters are a little bit fun, you know, right. but they're, they're still creepy. But they, you know, um, I've, I've, Tom Keebler. I, yeah, I, the, he's the... He's the man. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. I got to meet him at MaxFest last year. And uh, what a what a just awesome dude. Yeah, super cool um, guy. And ama- amazing talent. But, um, you know, I've I, I described his work like before. Like, it, it, his characters, like, feel like like you almost want to like, hang out with them. Right. But then they, they might kill you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? Just kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's, to me, he's like the uh, the creepy Norman Rockwell. Yeah, is, yeah, it's true. Probably, probably my all time favorite painter ever in the world. Yeah, I love his. Work. One of my favorites and, um, for sure. Norman yeah, he's incredible. He's amazing. Incredible. His stuff is so fun, um, but it's so well done. And Just, but Tom yeah. reminds me of that, and your stuff kind of reminds me of that too. Where they're, they're, you know, your characters are like, man, I could hang out with you, but I don't know, you might flip out all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was, I, 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 anyway, getting back to this, I did this sculpture and I was thinking, I remember at the time it took, it was such, such an effort because all the molding and blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, man, I wonder if anyone's ever done anything like this in ceramic and how cool it would be to try and do it in ceramic, Not, you know, like, like a fully full on highly detailed sculpture like that as a one-off ceramic piece which i'm sure is possible i mean yeah oh yeah yeah totally. just it's weird that i haven't seen anybody do it really like as a i mean you've done it i guess you did it with the that 300 piece but um 
I don't know. It just seems like, do you have any, basically what I'm leading into is, do you, do you have any plans to do any kind of sculptures like that where they're art pieces on the, on, on their own, you know, like life-size head ceramic pieces? Well, going back to like that 300 piece, and I've done a few pieces like that, nothing of, of, of the, the caliber that you did. I mean, I can't, I can't pull that off. The sculpt and everything is too awesome, but, you know, I'm, what I could do, I've, you know, I've done the 300 piece, but um, I'm trying to think. I've, I've done a couple. I kind of always stayed with the jugs, too, though. So, like, I would wind up, you know, I didn't do it with the 300 piece because it just didn't work. But, like, say that piece you did, like, stick a spout coming out of his head. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And so it would actually be like a jug. Right. I kinda, <laughs> always went that direction with it, but there were a few pieces. Um but I've I've done a few pieces over time where I I didn't and it was it basically was just a, a sculpt is right. what it was. You know? I, I remember I did a little Yoda and it was about um a little bit bigger than half scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've never seen Yoda in person, but I would guess about a little bit bigger than half scale. Right. And it was just it was just a bust. It was just a sculpted bust. Um, there again though, I, I turned each piece each section on the wheel first, so it was already hollow, and then I right. pieced it, and then I did the sculpt over it. Um, on top of that, so um, but no, I don't have any any plans to do not not now. I, it's, so fun, it's funny how you're always thinking in terms of mugs and jugs and you know yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's like that's just where your mind goes. You know, it's like it's ingrained, and yeah. and it's and it's cool though because it's it's like your thing too. It's your your niche. You know, yeah. nobody else is really no one's doing it. I don't. Nobody's doing well, that. You know what? I have, I have some buddies that that are insane insanely talented at it and, uh, are they but, doing monster mugs though yeah really, really? yeah yeah i'm yeah. gonna I'm, I'm gonna text you um i'm gonna text you uh some some names and let you look them up i mean this one guy you you, you would really 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 enjoy uh ron darlene he's uh he's insane and and all those guys we're, we're all buddies um we kind of all kind of got in um kind of became known in the collecting community with this what, what what referred to as folk pottery back in early 2000s mm-hmm. and so we, we got to be friends through that and um just yeah they're really talented but you know none of their stuff just really hit like on a large scale like mine did like on social media mm-hmm. um but shoot they're they're way more talented than i am i mean we all have our own style you know talking about doing monsters and stuff i mean their their stuff looks totally different than mine right you know, i, I kind of lean more towards the um um, special effects kind of feel right. and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably just b- because I was so influenced by movies like the Monster Squad and stuff growing up. Like mm-hmm. that was a huge influence to me. So I, I just kind of lean and, and I, I like that kind of art more. Uh-huh. Uh, but they they just have their own style of doing it. And it's, it's really beautiful work. I'll, uh, like I said, I'll, I'll text you some. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious wings. to see it. I didn't realize anyone else was doing that sort of thing. Yeah, there's there's a handful of us that that um, that that have done it for years and years now. Yeah, yeah. Wow, what a trip. Well, I mean, like I said, that that um, what's that guy's name? It does the mugs. I have one of his mugs from the '70s. The guy we were talking Rump. about, Jim Jim Rump. Rump. Yeah, yeah. It's like those things. I look back on on that mug. It's 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 a mug. And it's got a face on the front, and you look inside, and it's got a little guy peeking up. Yeah, <laughs> and those are—they're yeah. kind of monstery a little bit. And yeah. I remember being a little kid and being seriously influenced by that. Like he knew his forms, 
and anatomy. Yeah. You could tell he totally knew what he was doing, but he was doing kind of these weird caricatures. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I um I forget who I posted a picture of that I think recently, or I was talking about it on the website, and somebody, damn it, I forget who. Um, somebody sent me asked me about on Facebook, like sent me a private message about him, and I didn't even know the guy's name at the time. And he's like, "Do you, you do you know this guy's is?" is that, is that one of this guy's pieces? And he sent me a link and, and, uh, it's, he's still super under the radar, you know, yeah, it's um, weird. It's like, he never kind of made it. His stuff was so good and he never really kind of broke through. Yeah. Yeah. But his stuff is amazing. It's like, you get a lot of influence from things like that. You see when you're a kid that you, you know, you don't even remember. And yeah. And then it rings a bell. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it is in you know in, in your world with the, with the paintings and whatnot, but like ceramics, I, I know that like the guys I was just talking about that I'm uh, you know kind of flying under the radar, mm-hmm. like doing really incredible work, uh, you know, really cool sculpture and, and just beautiful glaze work and all that for ceramics, and they just I mean I was under the radar for years, which I, I don't I can't even to me I can't even compare my stuff to these other guys. Mm. Uh, because they, uh, to me, they're just, they just—they—they were a huge influence on me over the years too. But you know, you just kind of—you just wonder how many artists are out there where right. you're like, Man, their work is insane, right? You know? Right? Yeah, and that's—I'm sure. Um, you know, ceramics itself is a probably a, a small, pretty small community too. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's 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 a ton of people that work with ceramics it's a big hobby you know too for a lot of people oh yeah 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 you know a ton of ton of people just kind of do ceramics here and there i, I know some of the facebook groups like i'm on on um you know online and stuff i mean there's so many people active too on, on them you know so it's really popular ceramics but as far as like doing the sculptural right. side of ceramics right, yeah, i think that's right. cool. but it's kind of funny i don't you know um like as far as my work, uh, there's a big ceramic show out in I don't know the Midwest, I think somewhere. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the ceramic show to go to every year. Mm-hmm. And like me personally, I just would never go there. Not because I'm snobby or nothing, but like I just wouldn't feel like my work would really fit in there right, with, the yeah. best, with the rest of the ceramic world. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> they like would kind see of... these monsters and <laughs> like, what the crap is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta. Uh, yeah, you're probably better suited for a monster palooza or a horror movie convention. Right, like like online, I have way more like special effects like pages. You know, you know, you know these groups like SFX Atlas and stuff right, on Instagram. Right. Those kind of pages that, that share monsters and special right. effects. I have way way more of those groups sharing my work and, and just uh, compared to like an actual ceramics page. I've only had a few of those over the years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As for in- interviews and stuff, I think I've done one, maybe two interviews with like an actual ceramic, like, um, you know, page or, or, or whatever account, you know. Right. Uh, most of the time, if I do an interview, something you know they're they're based on monsters or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah you're in with that's your crowd right there. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought of? I mean, I think it's really cool that you're doing your own thing and that you didn't go the work on movie route. I think it's way what you're doing is way cooler because I've done it and right. I, you know it's cool. It's cool and all, but it's it's always better to do your own thing. I think. 
But have yeah. you have did you ever think about working in effects? Because you definitely could be a sculptor in, in effects for sure. Well, you saying that, man, is like just very humbling. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole true. It's true. Yeah, well, dude, I was talking to my brother about this the other day, and um, he's like a super fan of mine. He just he just thinks I just do the coolest stuff ever. He's awesome, and we were, it was just like two days ago, and uh, he was in the shop. And we were talking about it. I was telling about Monster Plaza, and I get so pumped up, man, about somebody like you or or Steve Lang. You know, like man, I really like your work. Like Steve bought a, has bought a mug before, right. and I about geeked out, you know. And um, it's just really humbling. And but like you saying that that my work's good enough, and that my sculpting is like I, I truly not even being humble or nothing. Like I just don't see it, man. Like I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't. I'm like, there's no way that I could hang with y'all guys. Like there's just no way. I don't. Care. No way. And I, I can really, tell. I can definitely. You could. You can I, I really appreciate it, but it's, it, I was explaining that to my brother. I, I was like, it's kind of funny because seem, it seems like I should believe it because I mean these guys know what they're talking about, but I just can't get through my head that right. that, that that's a, a, a reality. You know, right. I don't know. I, 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 I'm always comparing my work to the greatest or what I perceive as the greatest. You know, and I'm like, I don't get there, man, with these forms and with this detail work you know i want to you know not do exactly what they're doing you know what i'm saying but yeah yeah i want it to look that cool at some point and i'm i'm not even close to that you know but as far as your question though but i do i really appreciate you saying that means a lot man um anytime i give a compliment it's kind of awkward because i don't like you know you know (laughs) you know i'm talking about (laughs) but but they're greatly appreciated too they're very encouraging um but uh, getting back to what you were saying, like going in, no, no, I've never thought about that because because I've never thought I was even remotely good enough to mm. even attempt something like that. So, um, yeah, you're not as good as you're, you're, or you're, you're better than you realize. I think. And I appreciate it, man. I really do. I, I, all I do is just try to work really hard. I'm just really passionate about it, and and uh, my wife would attest to this. I'm I'm obsessed with it. So mm-hmm. you gotta be. <laughs> Yeah, man, I just have these ideas, and they just got to come out. I just work, man, and, and try to improve. I'm just always trying to my, – my philosophy since I first started was like the next piece has to be better than the previous piece. Right, right. Every single time. Like, I can't even – that's like the number how, one goal. Yeah, that's how it should always be in everything you do, you know? I think that's yeah, that's common with artists who care about what they're uh, – producing you know yeah so yeah you always, um, always want to improve yeah so i'm always trying to figure out you know what to do and i don't know it's a grind you know how it goes yeah yeah well i think it's great what you're doing what you're doing i think that's uh I, if you if you would have gone into effects you probably would have ended up where you're at now at the end of it because you would have yeah. got sick of it and <laughs> you would have got sick of all the bullshit working for somebody else and you would have been like, I'm going to do my own thing. And, and so I think it's cool that you, you, you're just doing it from the get go. Right. Right. You know? I think, that, I think I would have a tough time with the art direction. Yeah. You get plenty of art direction. It's yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, would, not, not being used to having that. Right. Exactly. I, would, I think it would be cool to try something, you know, I mean, I think if I got the opportunity, I, I would try it out. I wouldn't want it to be long term, but I know um, Mike Marino. You know Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he, amazing. He, he, yeah, he's bought some mugs from me, 
And so we, we, we talked on the phone one day, um, and we're chatting and, and he, he mentioned, I think he's in New Jersey, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. He, yeah. He's on the East coast yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he mentioned, he was like, dude, would you, would you, uh, what would you think about coming up here and, and doing some work for me at some point? And I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should yeah, try, I you would. know, you know, you should, you should do it once at least and just try it. Even, you know, maybe it's like a couple week gig. Yeah, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, now, yeah. You should do it just to try, just because you would learn a lot too. Because I, I know once I started working at Rick's, I started working around people. That's when I started working around people like Steve Wang and Matt and Mitch Devane and all these amazing crazy, people. It, my, my sculpting ability, you know, I definitely went up another level just being around those guys and seeing how it's done, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I would recommend doing it just even though you don't think you're good enough, you, you are good enough. If he's asking you, Mike Marino's amazing. He's like mind blowing. He's, yeah. He's incredible. So if he's saying it, I'm saying it, you should do it. Uh, <laughs> if you get an well, opportunity, I, I wanted to tell him. Yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, man. I mean, I would, I would love to, it's kind of going back to what you were talking about. What we were discussing earlier. Like you just got to do stuff. You're not comfortable right. with sometimes. Yep. Like you just got to do it, you know? So, and I've been uncomfortable my whole life. So, (laughs) I've always been uncomfortable. Yeah, (laughs) that's a common thread with artists too. Yeah, you just got to grind it out. So, yeah, I I mean, I would do it. Uh, Cool, cool. I I would, I would totally go for it. I wouldn't back out. I mean, I, I like a challenge anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and like you said, I thought about that so many times. Like being around people, you know, right. changer and, and getting that knowledge that you just can't find online. I mean, right. it's not that. I don't care where you go. It's that, that kind of knowledge is not online. You can't, you can't find it in a book. I mean, and I've got every book you can imagine and, you know, read them and you just, you know, there's just some things you can't pick up on, especially somebody showing you in person. Right. You know, Absolutely. So yeah, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly a little bit, I, I'm not a jealous person, but I'm a little bit jealous of, of some of y'all that got to work, you know, right. <laughs> like you just mentioned, like working with those guys and Kazu, I got to work with Kazu, you know, <laughs> it's like every it, people that I've worked with, you know, some of the best people in the business and it's just, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Awesome, man. I'm glad for you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was incredible. Cool. It was when cool. I was down, when I was on set, um, at the walking dead, um, I was in, uh, uh, Gino did my makeup and, um, and I, dude, I just sat there the whole time and just soaked up everything I could, you know, watching right. them, like how they were doing stuff and, and studying, you know, any chance I got to look closely at, uh, you know, one of the, one of the pieces that they were applying, you know, right, right. I, was, I was trying to like soak it in the whole time. <laughs> it, was, it was insane to watch those, watch them work. Right. Well, I bet you it's gonna it'll come up. It'll, you know, if he said yes, he'll probably do it. When if there's a project, it'll be it'll be. Uh, you know, if nothing else, it would be some money and hanging out with some cool people and just kind of picking up, just being in that environment and and seeing and really seeing probably how similar it is to your own environment. Because like I look behind you at your studio, I said the same thing to um, uh, Kyle Snow. From uh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Skull Shop. It's like his shop, you know, he never worked <clears throat> in Hollywood, but I saw, you know, when he, we were interviewing, he showed me his shop. He took the, at, after the interview's over, it looked exactly like an effects shop. You know, oh, yeah. your, your place looks 
exactly like an effect shop. It, it looks, it's not as, you know, you kind of, you put, you've been to effect shops, so you know, but it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, until you uh, see. It's like on a smaller scale. Right, yeah. right, right. Smaller scale than theirs. But yeah. still all the stuff on the shelves, it's like, yeah, I know all that stuff on your shelf behind you. <laughs> you know, you can tell what's what and there's some clay right, yeah. and some silicone and some molds and it's like, it's, yeah. they, they all look, you know, and yeah. I don't know when you're, when you, you when you're not involved in the business, you, you kind of like put it on a pedestal, but it's really kind of the same thing. Right. Uh, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Remind me when, when we end the interview, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you around in the shop. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It was, hey, thanks it was, for having it was me, a, a great interview. Um, you're just going to keep plugging away, uh, making mugs. Yeah. Mugs yeah, and jugs. Away. That's it, man. <laughs> and just coming up with new designs. It's, <laughs> I love it. I think it's so cool. Yeah, we got to. It's, uh, it's d- fun, man. Sometimes, sometimes I'm just like grinding it out so much. I've tried to cut back this year because health reasons, you know. I mean, right. you're going to kill yourself. Yeah, uh, now I had to do that same. Yeah, for two years, I was going on three to five hours of sleep and just, you know, my head i mean you can't bank straight when you're right doing like right that. It, it messes with your mood and everything yeah. oh dude you're so ill cranky oh yeah, yeah. I, I i i get when i when i get to that point where i'm just like pushing myself too hard for too long and I, i'm like you know you, you from just from us talking and not seeing seeing me at shows i'm like an upbeat guy you know i'm, I'm generally right. a pretty happy person but when I get where I'm working too hard, I, I start thinking like bad thoughts, yeah. like negative yeah. thoughts, like everything sucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like it really it, it affects us, it, it affects you. It makes you feel depressed and yeah. Yeah. it's not good for you. And when, when that's happening, it's like your, your body's way of telling you, you know, you have to stop doing this. This is not healthy for you. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I found that out too. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to slow down this year and, and get some more sleep and, you yeah. know, spend more time with the family. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've been in a way better mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just felt better overall. So. Yeah. And those kids, man, they, it, it, they, they grow up fast, man. I know. I know. So fast, man. I feel like my, my oldest daughter, I feel like the first couple of years of our life, it was, you know, it was such a blur to me. Yeah, right. You know, it was first getting started, and that was just man. It was it was crazy. It was really crazy. So it's nice to be able to have some help in the shop and to be able to slow down. You know, get your get your mind right and everything. Well, it sounds like you got a pretty great life. Yeah, I do, man. No complaints at all, man. Um, It's 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 really cool. My wife is the best in the world. She's my hero. So she. She kicks butt and That's she's great. a big support for me. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I'm happy for you. you. You seem like you deserve success. Thanks, man. Yeah, sometimes I'll be down here just, you know, really late night and or I don't know, I'll be I'll, I'll be working on something I don't just don't really want to be working on necessarily. And then I just have to stop and be like, dude, I get to sit down here and make art. I know. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every day. My my life, you know, my business and, and, and my thoughts revolve around, you know, art. Yeah. And what I've, what I've done since I was a little kid. Because as, as a kid, I wanted to either play professional baseball or be an artist. You know, uh-huh. maybe, maybe an astronaut, maybe a marine biologist. Those four <laughs> were not one. But the two, you know, 
being an artist or baseball, that that always kind of works at the top and everything. So yeah, I think I think you got the I think you got the most I think you got the best one. I think you got the most fun one because if you're a baseball player, how often are you actually playing baseball? And then how often are you like waiting for the you know the season and all this stuff? It's like yeah, you're able to kind of do this every day and do whatever you want to do, which is cool. You own your you own your own business. Right, right. So when I, yeah, talking about baseball, when I first when I was deciding on where to go to college, I wanted to go to art school really bad. I'm glad I didn't now, but mm-hmm. I so. But I decided to go play baseball instead, and my thought was, well, baseball will only last so long. I mean, right. because the reality of actually making it somewhere is slim to none. Because I'm I'm pretty small guy too. So that hurt immediately. So I thought, man, I'm just going to go play ball and however long it lasts. And then, you know, so I mean, it worked out cool though. That's like Frazetta. He was, he, he was, he had to choose between being a pro ball player and a, and a painter. You know, I, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. He but, was, he was an amazing athlete and an, an incredible baseball player. And he, he was he actually, looked, he was going to, like yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, he had to choose. He had to choose and he chose art. You should watch, um, uh, painting with fire, I think it's called a Frank Frank Frazetta documentary. Yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, you got to see yeah. it. It's great. It's no. it's amazing. You see, you hear the stories about him and see the work he was doing when he was a kid. It was just like, whoa! This kid, he was definitely like a a child prodigy. It's just weird, you know, sports and art. Yeah. <laughs> you don't never. Right. They, they don't tend to mix, right? It was kind of funny because I, I was the guy on the bus in college when we were going to games. I was the guy. I was friends with everybody, but. I was the, you know, the guy sitting at the front of the bus reading Lord of the Rings. Right. You know, everybody's in the back playing cards. Right. And, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, it's just kind of weird um, that that combo, right? Of being art and being real nerdy and all that, and then being uh, what you would call a jack. So, like when I was in high school, I was friends with all the art kids and with all the jacks. Right. You know? Right. It was like, it was kind of weird. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's that's weirder than being either one, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it a, we- a third weirder kinda, thing. <laughs> kind of in between. Yeah, right. like, <laughs> Talk about not fitting art- in. Yeah, totally, because the art kids would look at you like, dude, you're a job. Uh-huh. And then they find out that you're really in the art and that you really like drawing and painting stuff, and then you kind of work your way in, you know? Right. <laughs> and, then, and then the jocks are, you know, they're, you're an artist. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Weird art. Yeah, we had a, uh, I went to a, a technical school, uh, so they didn't have any kind of art or anything, but for some reason, they, they had some art contest, and um, so I entered a couple of my pieces, uh, some of my ceramic pieces in it, and I, I think I won something, I don't know, but my buddies saw it in the library and all that, and, and they were like, what is this? <laughs> 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 Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> you, you had all people. That's my, my, it wasn't like I was like the bat boy, neither. You know, I, mean, I was the starting center fielder. So right. it, was, it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is cool. I mean, they thought it was cool. You know, they were right. like, awesome. But we totally didn't see that one coming. Right. That was, that was, my stepdad was the same way, too. He was like a, um, uh, a re- he was like captain of the football team in high school and, and, um, was, going to be a professional football player i think and um yeah uh ended up going to art it's a trip it's a trip it's, it's rare but it happens <laughs> yeah it, it is odd yeah i'm gonna have to look up that for the other thing he's 
he's another one of my just all-time favorites, oh, man. Me too. Just, I mean, truly mind-blowing work. So inspirational. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, but you were talking about him being a prodigy. I remember reading that before where he was like a kid and was just doing mind-blowing work as a kid. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, there's this one story, I think, where they where he goes to like interview and he's a, a, like a young kid. Like he's got to be early teen years, 12, 13. I, I'm not sure the age, but he went and kind of went to an art studio, a commercial art studio, and showed showed he may have been older i don't know i'm telling the story badly but he showed his work and the guy's like gives him an anatomy book and he's like here study this and learn your anatomy and then come back and i guess the next day he came back with (laughs) he copied every page like exactly (laughs) (laughs) which is you know you don't do that unless you're prodigy i mean that's right yeah he he was serious he was like seriously like a leonardo leonardo da vinci type yep yeah, a genius, an artistic genius. He wasn't, you know, people think because he was doing fantasy work that he was, you know, he was great, but he wasn't like an artistic genius. Yeah, he yeah, was absolutely yeah. an artistic genius. Right. Kind of like Norman Rockwell. I've mm-hmm. read about read a lot about him, and he was really shunned in the art community because of what, you know, the almost the comic kind of feel right. to his work. You know, he was, he was, you know, shunned as a fine artist. Yeah, I'm right. sure you, do. you know what it is, man. You do monster work. Right. Final, yeah. Final, yeah. Fine monster art. So, <laughs> I can relate. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, what, people are like, what is this? And but then you got you know plenty of people like me that's like, this is awesome. This well, is it, yeah, yeah. Eventually, the I think it's it's sadly it's one of those things. Over time, the people like Norman Rock, Rockwell or illustrators eventually become recognized, or Frazetta for that matter, become yeah. recognized for being uh, incredible fine artists. You know. I mean, yeah. Ro- Norman Rockwell's considered a, a great fine artist now. He's like set, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's about right. about time. Right. Yeah. I had an opportunity a few years ago when I first got started. I had an opportunity. Well, I actually signed a license deal with Rosetta Museum, and I was going to do a lot of mugs. But oh, they were gonna, really? Yeah, they were going to be prints on the mugs. Uh, so these really cool iron oxide prints. Wow. Uh, yeah, where you, I mean, they're kiln fire. They just look really cool, and I was going to do it. But I, I wanted up signing the license bill. I mean, it was like, I was ecstatic because it was Frazetta, and I was just yeah. a piece forever. I actually did a couple pieces uh, based on his work. Uh, I took a um, a jug, and then I did relief work on the side. And I did a couple of his, uh, semi, you know, based off his paintings. Way back in the day, I did that. But, um, but it never panned out with that. Um, I was hoping it was going to lead into doing some, you know, some characters, some of his characters. Oh, yeah, it'd be amazing. You know? Yeah, but it, I just didn't have enough help. I didn't have help. It was me. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, and, you know, it was uh, two years later, and, and it was just, you know, I I, I just couldn't get around to it. It was just, you That's know, I had, to choose, I had to choose between making money or making Frazetta stuff, basically. Right. Yeah, and it sucks. I was super bummed because I'm such a fan of his work, and it was a great honor to be even asked to do that. But wow. a little, little, little side thing, I don't, I don't even know if I've ever told anybody that, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to hear so, it. So bummed about the situation. <laughs> it didn't work out. I don't even want to talk about Yeah, it. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'd be bummed, too, man. <laughs> well, I want to do something with you for sure at some point. When, oh. I, when I get some time, you know, I'd love to... I would love that. 
Uh, same here. When when I get when when we have some time, we definitely got to do something for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool, cool. Yeah, I can think of a million things right off the top of my head. Right. Yeah. To totally. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll let you go now. We've we've kept you on for God with all the the internet going breaking down. Oh, that yeah. will ho- that will be edited out. So you it'll pro- hopefully sound <laughs> seamless be edited together by brian but we had two internet crashes during this interview maybe you'll maybe you'll pick up on it but anyway yeah we we, we've we've been combining all three of those we've been on you know a good couple hours here so (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's like it's been fun though man yeah 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 i appreciate you having me on oh i appreciate you coming on i'm a huge fan of yours and um yeah it was really really fun talking to you and learning about you and um yeah, I look forward to seeing your new releases. I didn't realize you were you're releasing so much. It's exciting. So I'm going to look for that. Um, I got two. I got two more mugs that I'm working on right now. Which it, it'll be a while before I get them out. But yeah, I got two. I'll, I'll show them to you when we when we get off here. Okay. Um, uh, I'll I'll put it in the the uh, description as well. But where can people find you? And the the best place is Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from Instagram, you can get to you know my website, and then I also have Facebook. But I'm I'm probably the most active on Instagram overall. And what's probably your, have, what is it on there? Just just Turkey Merc. Yeah, Turkey Merc. Yeah, that's it. Turkey Merc. <laughs> Turkey Merc. M E R C K. Right. Yeah, that's right. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on, and thank you everybody for listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. If you want, you can support the podcast financially for as little as a dollar a month and you can hear the episodes a day or two early and you can feel good about contributing to the the scene the dark art scene uh and that's at patreon.com slash dark art society and i guess that's that's it so yeah thanks again for coming on and let, let's thanks say, let's say goodbye to the audience Goodbye. Goodbye, audience. audience. Hope I didn't sound like too big of an idiot and bore you out of death. Nah, that was great. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Talk to you later. All right, man. See you, Chuck. See ya.